give me a heart attack or something. Well, Norton, how do I look? Divine. I don't know how you're going to do with these borrowed clubs, but in that borrowed outfit, you are divine. Thank you, Norton. Well, did you bring something down we can use for a ball? Oh, yeah. I got this here uh, pin cushion. That's good enough for the thumb. Perfect. Let oh, me have it. I wish I had a stand to put Let it on. Let me have it, Tom. Huh? I have. Ow! What's the matter with you? There's pins in it. What'd you expect to find in a pin cushion? Chicken noodles? <laughs> Take the pins out. She loves me. She loves me now. Where you that? stop with that? Come on, Norton. I only got two days to learn how to play golf. Wait a minute. I want to shut the door. Wait till I shut the door. Something the matter with the club. Look, there's nothing wrong with a club. It's the way you swing at the ball. You just don't swing at it ordinary like. You got to do scientific like, like it says here in the book. Let me I read. Got no time to do it by the book. I only got two days. What's it say in the book? <laughs> now you're getting smart. <clears throat> to Emily, whose slice inspired me to write this... Not that! <laughs> Read the instructions. <clears throat> the golf swing. First, step up. Plant your feet firmly on the ground and address the ball. Wait a minute. What do they mean by address the ball? How should I know? That's what it says here. Well, read a little further. Maybe it explains. Hey, wait. Oh, that's, that's all it says. Address the ball. Wait a minute. I think I know what it means there. Here, give me the club. Step up. Plant your feet firmly. Hello, ball. Everybody, welcome to the show. The beer we pour must be something more, because tonight is kind of special. Going all the way back to commercials, we remember we have a guest tonight that will blow your mind come this December. So here we go, wham, bam, pow, and it all starts right now. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show, The Night Fly, with Dave Juskow. Tonight, we, we've done three, uh, three years of shows as of last month. And this guest is the one we've been waiting for in many ways. No, this show, you understand. You, I know you've never heard my show before, but let me introduce to you, everybody, David Katz. Hello, David Katz. Hello. <laughs> I know if I'm going to blow anybody's mind, maybe they're chow. Well, you don't, you, I know you're not, you don't listen to the podcast. Nobody does. Uh, no, people do, but it's what you do and what we're going to discuss today is amazing. It's the kind of stuff we talk about on this podcast all the time, and we're going to get to, uh, well, right now. Let me just turn off the music because it distracts me. 
<laughs> but I like doing the old-fashioned uh, radio voice when I start with the music. It That's sounds I, good. I can't help myself, uh, you know, because I grew up the way you did. Gary Owens would be jealous. Gary Owens from, uh, yes, right. I always put my thing, and there's a comic named Gary Owens, and it confuses me because I'm like, wait, Gary Owens is still alive? From Laughing. That was the guy from Laughing, right. I've been trying to imitate that guy's voice since I was a little kid. Well, there might be money in it now. I think he died a couple of years ago. Oh, only a couple of years only ago? Only a couple of years ago. Because he would do that announcer voice that I found so attractive, <laughs> you know, that, that, that Howard Stern always talks about. He, he's the same way. He's always, he's always fascinated by those guys that have those kind of voices. It's remarkable in this day and age how many people I've listened to on radio that still seem to do the, hey, how you doing, everybody? I, I know. And that's, I, I, I think that might be why radio isn't as popular as it used to be, although it should be popular again now, because if podcasting is popular, then radio should be popular. It's seemingly becoming back. Yeah, I guess so. But that's the thing. So David Katz has put together this award show for character actors, one of our favorite things that we talk about a lot on this show. We always talk about the the people that you, like you just told me, Jason Kravitz was the name you said, right? Yep. You just told me we got a guy, Jason Kravitz. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I, oh, I know the name, I know the name. You see the face, oh my God, I know exactly who it is. I've seen him in a hundred things. And you've put together a show called the Carney Awards, named after the great Art Carney, and you've put it together with your brother and Art Carney's son, and, his, and their permission. Yes, we, we brought it to, uh, to Art Carney while he was still yeah, alive. Yeah, while he was still alive. When did he die? 2003. Oh, my God, uh, perhaps, this has been going on for a long time. Oh, yeah, this is a, uh, a 15-year journey to get to where we are. Oh, and this is right now. And so, yeah, so w- the reason he's here is that um, the, the award show that you actually finally got off the ground, this is the third annual, and it airs December 2nd on Cozy TV. Cozy TV. <laughs> How many people in your audience have ever heard of Cozy TV? Well, actually, mine have because I talk about it all the time because I watch The Bionic Woman on that channel or a lot. Or Columbo. And, yes, and I, so I always <laughs> am talking thing. about One it. One more question. <laughs> Just one more thing. Uh, so, yes, we actually talk about Cozy TV a lot. Good. That makes me feel better because, frankly, before they offered to take the show, I had not heard of Cozy. Oh, I'm yeah, only I kidding. Mean, I'd uh, heard him a little. It's an NBC. It's an NBC uh, Universal cable channel. Cable channel, right. Not affiliate. That wouldn't be the correct no. usage of the, the word. No. The odd thing is, is that it's an NBC Universal cable channel, yet they have affiliates that carry Cozy. I can't really explain it. But. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Cozy is one of those things that you could get if you have the digital TV. Like, if you don't have cable, it might be like 11.1 or... You know, four, five point six. You know how they there have seems to points. be a lot of different ways you can get it. Yeah, because that's where Antenna TV. Well, that's obviously that's why they call it Antenna TV. But that was like you know they have the monkeys and the Partridge Family all on that channel. That was one of the first ones. Me TV is one of those. Right. So frankly, but Me TV is featured on FiOS. It's channel three. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's like a, a a real big one. I mean, it's like right there, right in between the networks. I didn't, I don't know how they got that deal, where they just like. I mean, that's prime. You can't, it's hard to find channels these days. You no, know? I actually heard Cablevision, I know, Time Warner or Spectrum, I know, but I wanted to know whether or not Cozy was on, on Fios. Oh, no, it definitely is. I have And Fios they said like channel 1254. Yeah, that's, I that's mean, whoever goes up that high. Well, I do. But, well, uh, <laughs> of course you do. I, I watch a lot of TV, so that's the thing. But um, so. We want to get into this, you know, I want to, I, I, I'm, I'm completely prepared, but uh, first, now first of all, you're the first guest I've never met before, before you walked in my door today. It's very exciting. You're a very handsome man, 
<laughs> and we've met through uh, for a, through a third party of a friend of yours that you grew up with and a friend of mine that I've known his brother since college. So it's all around about. There will be a way. quiz. So lovely Hershes. Um, and so this is interesting for me because, you know, I just I usually have people on that I know or, have you know, met previously. <laughs> oh, that makes two of us. Right, right. But it's exciting in a way. Um, By the way, can I make a suggestion for a, a, a new brand of show? Yeah. The Unintelligible Things Doormen Say. Oh, God, that guy is an idiot. I don't even know. I mean, he's, first of all, he shouldn't even be wearing, his back is a mess, so he can't even lift a package. That's Ahmed. It's, it's funny because he's the best doorman we have. Oh, that's so sad. It took him four <laughs> times to get the name David right. Uh, he, and he knows me. I don't even know where to begin with this guy. He's a mess. He's just like, oh, no, gave me Schumer coming today. When he's, I'm doing an Indian one, but yes, he's not are. Indian. No. I don't know what it is, but that's the way he kind of talks, but it's not Indian. Yeah, he's just a mess, and he's the best one we have. And when he goes to open the door, you have to wait because he has such a bad back. It takes him like an hour to get to the door to open it. And I'm like, you know, I can open it myself. And he's like, no, I'll do it. And then um, when I walk in and he doesn't do it, I sit outside with my arms folded waiting for him to do it. Because that cracks me up. But um, Well, as Judge Smale said, the world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> well, I certainly know that one. Well, come on, the old Billy Brew. Billy, 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 Billy. Billy. <laughs> How about a fresca? How about a fresca? How would you like to come over and mow my lawn? Now, Ted Knight... Would he be considered a character actor? I think they all would be, uh, even though we're just talking about Ted. I think the answer would have been yes. But there are a certain number of actors that seem to transcend if there is a definition of a character actor because people knew the name. But if we were doing this back in the 80s, maybe not everybody would have known Ted Knight. They might have known him as uh, Ted Baxter. Ted Baxter. Well, of course. That's why I was glad he got a part you know, in Caddyshack. But at first, when I first saw it, I'm like, why are they putting Ted Baxter, even though I loved him? But I'm like, he, but then when you watch um, the Ted Knight show, the sitcom, he was different than the Ted Baxter or Judge Smells, you know, like, so to me that when somebody can play a different role from what we know them as, like Betty White, who's amazing because, you know, we, uh, you know, at, at our age, even though we'd seen her on like the odd couple or something like that, That's we right. didn't really Alan know. Ludden. Yes. Thank you, Alan. Aristophanes. <laughs> Aristophanes. Um, You're good. Thank you. I actually started out, you know how I just told you I do the Grease, I do the reading. Yeah. I started doing The Godfather. I don't know whether you know this. At the Comedy Cellar, I do readings of The Godfather, but I change all the scripts. You know, I did it in five parts because I took the whole thing. Every, I didn't leave out any line. And I changed the dialogue and make it funny or whatever anybody, you know, opinionated is funny. But um, I started with The Odd Couple. I didn't change the lines. I used to do it live on stage. And we did the Password episode and the Flying Felix and the David Steinberg one, which is uh, now a classic because when I went out to California, I did the Steinberg one and I used Sarah Silverman as David Steinberg. And he, had a, he has a Showtime show, David Steinberg. Yeah. And uh, he had Sarah on and he goes, no, I understand you played me in a production of The Odd Couple and she goes, yes, my friend uh, David Boy Juskow uh, put on the show. He goes, and how was it received? And she's like, not good. <laughs> it, was, it didn't go well that day. But the next day it went really well. But yeah, I worship the odd couple. As, as uh, do I. Everybody our age. You, you grew up in the same place of Long Island, New Jersey. That, yeah, the uh, Channel 11 Channel TV 11, shows. exactly. Yeah, 11 Alive. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Officer Joe. Bo boat? 
Bolton. Bolton. See, that, I never got it. That's car 54? No, no, no. That was, you'd come home from school between 2.30 and 3 o'clock, and they had Officer Joe Bolton, who was sort of one of their spokespeople. On 11 Alive with the Picks games? I just remember him being on in between shows. That's what I'm saying. Do you remember the Picks game? Picks? Yes, picks, yes, picks, I do. You, you know, I do. Play along with the TV yes. and you'd call in on the phone. Yes, I do. And it was a Space Invaders game, but when you said Picks, they pressed the button yes. for you. Yes, I hadn't and thought a, about that until just a, now. <laughs> and the smart people would always go, Picks, 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 Picks. <laughs> and then you had to know the secret word of the day, which they announced at 6 30 in the morning. And, you know, what's the secret? Ambulance? <laughs> You're right, Jimmy. You win a tube of toothpaste. You know, growing up watching Channel 11, uh, it, 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 it seems that it was inevitable that at some point I would venture into a, I won't call it a career, but an avenue that would lead me down to the Honeymooners, to Art Carney, and to this type of uh, show that we've put together. Yeah, I know. It's, so, it's amazing, right? It was so, it was, uh, it like shaped us in many ways. I mean, all those, those that Channel 11, all that syndicated stuff. We never would have known about, we might have known about The Odd Couple because that was in first run when we were little, but The Honeymooners, we never would have known about without, you know, the syndication. And uh, I always... And we're not alone. One of the things that I've learned in the last several years that I've been doing the award show is how many of these actors grew up watching the same shows that we Wonder did. Wonderama. Wonderama, Bob McAllister, uh, but certainly The Honeymooners and The Odd Couple and Get Smart. And right. Do you know David Tell? I know, I know who Long he Island. is. Right, right, because he's from Long Island. We, we, this is how we used to bond when we first met. We're best friends for, you know, since the 80s. And, um, you know, we've bonded on the picks, you know, and all that kind of stuff because I hadn't met a lot of people from outside where I grew up that I wasn't sure how popular it was. You know, when you like you just said, you meet people as you go that you realize how important Channel 11 was and yeah. that there were others that knew about Wonderama, let alone we didn't know it wasn't a national show. Yeah, when you ask people in California, you're like, "Yeah, Bob McAllister." What? You, just for the record, uh, that was Channel Five. Right. Yes. No. Okay. That I knew that because uh, uh, I remember when Sonny Fox. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> Another name I haven't thought of. I saw Bob McAllister perform Magic one day when he was older at Mostly Magic down in the Village. It was very exciting. I was on the show. No, you weren't. I was. That's like the highest honor that anybody ever had. It was. There was one girl, and it was Allison Kingsley, and she just said hello, and it was like the greatest thing. Did you get to play any of the games? No. Nope. Oh, sorry. I got so excited. I got to relax. No, but the best part was uh, I was on TV, and one of the neighbors came running over to my parents' house because they were watching, and they saw me on TV, and I remember walking uh, out with some uh, gifts that they gave, and it was a red eye. Do you remember red eyes? It was a, a round ball. It kind of looked like... The, uh, the spaceship that uh, Kal-El sent up, or Jor-El sent his son, Superman, that round ball with the, uh, with the, the icicles attached. Oh, and yeah. And the red eye that. you yeah, would throw yeah. up, and you would try to catch it with the red handle. Uh, oh, my God. I got, a, I got a red eye. And how did you get on that show? I don't remember. Damn it. I've been trying to get on that show for years. Well, it's back now. Isn't I know it back it's now? back, but it's horrible. I'll see what like, I can do. It wasn't as entertaining as it, I thought it would Bob be. Bob McAllister's is not as spry as he used to be. It, well, yeah, he's not. He's a, <laughs> who is the guy that does it, man? I don't even know. They bought like the Magic Garden, too. Oh, God, I remember uh, those girls. Yeah, well, those girls, they did a... Last year, they did a special. What do they look like? Not one bad. had been very cute. Well, the and one I know that we probably can't have this conversation in this day and age, but I know, but professionally speaking, yes. Well, we were little boys, and one was really cute, and one looked a, a little 
you know, a little, uh, a little fuller, uh, yeah. you know, a little um, like maybe she didn't like boys too much. But um, I've heard that that is not the case because I know somebody that grew up with her upstate or something like that, and she's nice. But she looks better now because it's always that way that the more attractive one doesn't look. Good. Anyway, <laughs> right? We're getting into. Something but to tell did the you kids. know that the girl, the skinny one, was um, she originated the role of Sandy in Greece on Broadway? If I did, Barry I don't Bostwick. remember. Nobody knows. Barry Bostwick. I would, I would qualify him as a character actor. Absolutely. Yes, he does a lot of... Yeah, you know... Well, I, let's, first let's start with you. Okay. You... I know you, you were working for Buckwald. You're an agent. And Buckwald is Howard Stern's agent. So right, that's Don how Buckwald. we all know him. Super, Super agent, agent Don Buckwald, Buckwald is Howard, who's always referred to him. That's right. And has proven to be true to that moniker. And how long did you work... With him. 15 years. 15 years. Yeah, from 1992 to 2007. And you handle Elvis Duran. Do you still? I do. Now, Elvis Duran, if, if, you, if you don't know if you're out of this city, and I know he's syndicated, but he is a Z100 guy. He is. And he's been around since the 90s, right? Or has he been before that, but here? He's been in New York since the early 90s, and he's been doing the morning show since uh, mid to end of 96. And he... I'm just making sure... Recording. <laughs> um, sometimes I, I have a little note says press record. Um, right, and he took over after Scott Shannon left, which was the morning zoo no, show. No, after or? Scott left, because Scott <clears> went to ninety five point five, right? Um, after where did Scott go? Yeah, Scott after Z one hundred went to PLJ, but I think after Scott left, they had um, a few other guys go in there. There was a guy named John Lander out of Boston who went in for a little while. There was a Gary Bryan and uh, another guy. It was a, it was a duo team. Neither of them lasted very long, and finally uh, uh, we got Elvis the gig uh, again. I think in late ninety six. How did you meet him? Like, was he a city guy? Was he like a radio city guy, or was he somewhere else? And you just no. He was working on the afternoons, uh, three to seven p.m. on Z one hundred. Oh, he was. So he's been on Z one hundred for a long time. Yeah, before the nineties. Then he was just in the well. Afternoons. No, he he had been. I think he had. Uh, I think he'd had an earlier stint at Z one hundred for a very short stay in the eighties. Uh, got That's what I thought. I remember his name, obviously, because it's Duran, and it was Duran Duran. Right. It was Duran. You thought there was some sort of connection. But he wasn't around long. He didn't last long. I think he then went back either to Austin and then came back through New Orleans and then Philadelphia and then came back to Z100 for a second time. In the 90s, did they? was he part of the morning zoo? Was that what it was considered? No. Uh, they just stopped again, He that. was on in the afternoons. Oh, right. But when he went to the mornings, do they still call it a morning zoo? At that point, they did. I'm only asking because I understand now he... Um, Elvis his... Duran and the morning show. When we went into syndication, we couldn't call it the Z100 morning zoo anymore. Oh, how come? Because it was referring to Z100, the local station in New York, and we were going national. Oh, I So we had you. to make it Elvis Duran and the morning show. I just had... To, I noticed that he is either married or... His, he has a partner. He a partner. Yes is an actual zookeeper in Staten Island. <laughs> Indeed he is. <laughs> and I was like, wait, does, I guess they talk about that. Isn't that a great story? <laughs> it's yes. unbelievable that an actual, a zookeeper married an actual, or is a partner with an actual zookeeper. Yes. And I, who knew there was even a, a zoo in Staten Island? Everybody knows now, and Elvis is one of the greatest benefactors of that zoo now. That's, uh, really? Yeah, I think half the animals that have come in in the last six or seven years are courtesy of Elvis Duran. Wow, yeah, well, I've heard that, um, you know, I guess in preparing for this, I've seen he's done a lot of good for everybody, let alone, um, you know, the weight loss and everything. He looks amazing. He, he, he's thinner than I am now. Yeah, and you look good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm saying, I, um, you know, everybody knows I like to eat and I'm uh, overweight. 
Um, it was a rough road. I mean, that time period for anybody, I mean, they, they all, the people who do morning radio, as I'm sure you know, uh, for the most of them wake up uh, 3.30 in the morning. By 7 o'clock in the morning, they're eating dinner. Right. I mean, they're, every day at the radio station, there were just those platters of food that restaurants would bring in in hopes that they would talk about it on the air, right. which they did. And a very unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah, let alone you know sitting for that long a period of time and not really doing anything. That's, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's, it's a wee bit sedentary. But that's what ha- well, that's why. And when Howard came on, I'm just I'm a big Howard fan. Um, you know, he was that way too. He was heavy, and then he you know was able to lose weight too. Yeah, yeah, because all those radio DJs were like that for some reason. They weren't. I don't know why. Well, I guess because they didn't need to be on TV. That's right. And then everything Howard changed everything really right. Yeah, because he was, he was, really, he was really the first one to put the cameras in the, the studio. In, yeah, where everybody said, that's crazy. What do you need cameras in for? And then it turned out. So the term of face for radio doesn't really apply as much anymore because there has been a wave of much more attractive people coming into the medium. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So you've been in radio for a long time in the sense of, you know, with the agency and everything. You're in uh, broadcasting. Um, you, so you know about this stuff. And I need to ask somebody, with WFAN, the sports station here, um, they're getting, you know, they're losing Mike Francesa. So they got these three new people. What, what do you think of the three new people? I think it's, it's Bart Scott, uh, Chris Carlin, Chris Carlin and, and Maggie, some girl I don't know at all. I was going to say Maggie Smith. Wonderful actress. Maggie Gray. I think, I think <laughs> her Smith, name right. is Maggie Gray. I don't know Maggie. Uh, I don't know oh, Bart, except that he played uh, football. Uh, I must confess, right. I do like Chris Carlin. You do? I kind of stopped listening to WFAN when the Mets left. Yeah, I know. I hate it, too. I hate that they left, too. That used to make me happy that I could listen through the whole Mets thing. I don't like that they have the Yankees on now. And I also transitioned because I'm a fantasy baseball guy. And WFAN has this holier-than-thou attitude. If God forbid anybody called up WFAN, whichever time period, whichever host was on the air and say, hey, I got a question, you know, uh, I need a center fielder in my National League squad. What do you think about me picking up uh, so-and-so? Fantasy's ruining the game of baseball. Sorry, and then they hang up. That's right. And so I stopped listening. That's why I have a trouble with actually all of New York sports. All they do is talk about the Yankees. (laughs) And I want to hear during this time of the year, I want to hear about college football. There's no talk about that. Unless I go to L.A., you know, then they can hear all the time, not just UCLA or whatever. There's no talk about football. They're talking about well, baseball. Well, you can understand why there's no talk well, about Well, yes, football. this year, I guess. But, I, but I'd like to hear about other teams, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. I acknowledge that, and I agree with the, with the sentiment. But the reality is the, the P1 listener, the primary listener to WFAN, all they want to do is talk about the Mets, the Yankees, the Knicks, the Giants, the Jets, and that's it. it drives me crazy. I, just, I want an all, a well-rounded show, and I want a local one, and I want one live that's on 24 hours, which is I listen overnight all the time. But to answer your question, if I may, Yeah, I do like Chris Carlin, and while I don't know how they're going to do, I actually think it's a smart move for them to bring in, excuse me for saying it, if they're listening, a a non-star power to have replaced Francesa, because in my experience in radio, if you are replacing a legend, and whether you're like Mike or not, he is a legend, and the odds are 95%, if not higher, will fail. Right. So bring in somebody that's less known or almost unknown. I mean, Carlin is known to the audience. I think it'll actually give them a better chance to succeed. And uh, if it doesn't, it'll pave the way for, for the, the next person, person that will replace That makes so much three. sense. That's, that's, that's interesting. I, I don't know the girl. I don't care that much for Chris Carlin. I don't hate him or anything. But um, Bart Scott, I actually 
like only because um, that one year the Jets beat the Patriots in the playoffs. And then they're like, uh, who, who do you want to play next? Uh, the Seattle or whatever. I don't remember what he said. He, he goes, or you're going to play this people next. I was like, can't wait. And he just, I just always remember that. So then I loved him. But I've heard him completely piss on New York and that he doesn't care for New York teams or anything. So I don't know. That, but, if that's true, that will come back and, and haunt him. Yeah. There'll be people like you but, that will remember it and call up. <laughs> but then again, there's people like uh, Chris Russo who was – uh, Mad Dog, who was yelling about that, but he's a San Francisco guy. He used to root for the Giants, and everybody but knew he, it. But he, right, but he always was. He came out that yeah. way. And uh, so once you know that up front, it actually enhanced, I think, his uh, his persona. But it's you know they just can't replace Mike Francesa at all. Even that Sunday morning show that we all used to listen to in the tailgate uh, and the Giants parking lot, they can't find a replacement. I don't know what they got now, but it's no good. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe so- And then they lost Craig Carl. Carton too, Greg Carton, yeah. and they're replacing him with this guy. I, I don't know, but I've heard him. He's not bad. Greg um, Giannotti. Yeah, Greg Giannotti. Yeah, I, I remember everybody. Greg as a part-time, if not part-time, a producer on one of the shows, and then he became a fill-in guy. He might have ended up doing a late-night shift. I think he went to Pittsburgh and succeeded very well there. Oh. I haven't heard him as a solo guy. I listened to the, the morning show sometimes. I used to listen to Boomer Carton, even though I really couldn't stand Craig Carton. So what I've learned here right now, Dave, <laughs> is that you do not listen to Elvis Duran on the morning show. No, and let me tell you, um, sorry about that. That's okay, because you're not quite the demo. <laughs> no, I guess not. But it's funny, I've recently heard, because I wasn't sure if anybody was listening to the radio anymore, you know, because there's satellite and there's podcasts, but I've heard from a lot of people that it's still very popular. It's just heard in different ways. You can listen to it on the iPhones. Uh, and radio is still very prevalent. Especially maybe so. not so much in Manhattan, but in the suburbs for sure. Yeah, and, and people Driving. talk about the commuters. Yeah. Uh, I am one of the few people left that I know of and, and admit to have a shower radio. I mean, that's where, oh, I, you do? That's where I listen to most of my <laughs> radios in the shower. I, I just need to get one of those. I don't know why. I, I just put the radio on and just kind of at Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, right? Why don't I? Well, you know what? Because I usually put the satellite on and I have to find the exact station and it wasn't working well so i don't know i gotta work it out you will i have two radios in my bathroom but they're not shower radios okay they're i'm not gonna go in there ones. and find out well you know maybe you i want to take a look at them later i don't know <laughs> but um yes yeah, so i'm sorry but i'm gonna start listening now i'm sorry okay uh but i still like the fact that z100 still exists <laughs> not only does it still exist and it's it, on satellite too it's on satellite it's uh it's on sirius and not only does it still exist but it is still Arguably one of the top two radio stations, music stations in America. Yeah, that right. and Kiss out in L.A. And in L.A., right? Um, and you are not just work with Elvis Duran, but you're very close with him, and the sense that you also work with him in this the Carnies, the the Carney Awards. Yeah, we've been together 23 years. Uh, he was one of my uh, original radio clients. In 2007, we were together 15, I guess 14 years at the time, and he pretty much just said to me. Let's go leave and do something on our own. And I needed to get out of the agent business. I didn't have a head full of gray hair. Uh, it's, it's not the age. It's the mileage, the talent put on me. And so Elvis and I started our own little company, the Elvis Duran Group. And frankly, we were trying to take a, uh, a page right out of the Howard Stern and Don Buckwall playbook, which we have accomplished so far, which is, very briefly, is secure the mothership. Make sure that you're, you're winning in your home market, which Elvis was. Then we branched out to Miami to prove that he could work in another market. And once that proved successful, then we were able to make a deal in syndication. And now he's in about 75 cities across the country. And like Howard and Don did, once you get that really big base, 
you can then try and create product to sell to your base. Howard did it all those years, starting with the FCC tapes, if right. you remember that. The, crucified uh, the, by the FCC. Crucified by the FCC. The underwear and negligee pants party. Well, he, bongo start, fiesta. he was one of the first ones that started pay-per-view. Like, you know, that he was one of the first ones. Yeah, so we're doing that as well, but not necessarily selling but bongo fiesta tapes. Sure. We're actually trying to create programs You're not giving like the Carney classes. Awards. No. Oh, so this is part of the Elvis Duran group. Oh, yes, this is, this is an Elvis Duran group production in association with Radcliffe Road Productions. But uh, if it wasn't for Elvis allowing our little company to finance it, we wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today. You would be here today. Yeah, no, I'd definitely be here because uh, I don't know where else to go. But uh, I, yeah, so this, so the Carney were so. Um, where did you get the idea? Like, how did you meet Brian Carney, our Carney son? Turns out he had been a client of our agency, the Buckwald agency. He was a commercial client, which I did not know back in 2003. And I think the question you were, you were just about to ask is really how did this come about? And one of, the, uh, one of the fun things that I like to do with one of my brothers on the West Coast was say, hey, I'm watching a movie. Turn on the movie. Do you remember that guy? Do you remember that guy? What's his name? And we would do that very often. Of course. And that led to, God, we love character actors. And that led to, you know what? They're the ones that never win the Oscars and the Emmys. We should try and develop a program for character actors. And so we thought about it out loud, and we kept coming back to Ed Norton, just being one of the great oh, characters of all time. Yeah, right, right. And say, all right, we'll call it the Nortons. But that didn't sound right. It sounded cheesy. And then my brother says, why don't we go and try to find Art Carney and see if we can call it the Carney Awards. So my brother puts together a package that we'd come up with somehow, found an address from Mr. Art Carney <laughs> really? in Fairfield, Connecticut, somewhere in Connecticut, sent out the package. Three weeks later, he gets the entire envelope sent back, returned to sender, unopened. Oh. I kid you not, on the day he called me to tell me that letter came back, I found out Brian Carney was a client at the agency. Oh. So I had one of the agents introduce me, and I didn't say a word about our idea. Well, how was he a client? A voiceover client. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, a lot of people would recognize him as the Gecko's boss on the Geico commercials. Remember the older gentleman that used to have all these ideas and uh, would go up to the Gecko? It, was a, it, it ran for probably a good three or four years. He played the Gecko's boss. Yeah. But you've heard his voice. Uh, he's uh, more of a commercial voice actor than anything else. It's also funny because I guess he's an older, I mean, he's probably like our age, but... Um He's older? Yeah, because I was going to say, sometimes when you're talking about somebody's son, I'm thinking, yeah, he's oh, what is he, like 20? He's like 60. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but back then, I mean, if I met him 20, 15 years ago, you know, he was uh, in his early 50s. Right. And so I purposely did not mention the idea. I just became friendly with him. And three about three months go by. And I'm in the hallway uh, where all the voiceover actors were waiting to do their uh, auditions. And he and I pass each other in the hallway, a very narrow hallway with a doorway, and he goes to me, don't touch me, I'm sterile, which is what his dad said in one of the great Honeymooner episodes when Ralph thought he was dying of arterial monochromia, <laughs> you know, which is scratching for fleas, and they wanted to sell the story to the American Weekly magazine so he would have money to leave his wife. And so Norton pretends he's a doctor, and they go in to pitch the story, and, and Norton's like, don't touch me, I'm sterile. <laughs> And so the fact that he quoted his own father's oh, line from awesome. the Honeymooners, that was the moment. I dragged him into my office, told him the idea. He went home that weekend, presented it to his dad. My brother likes to tell this part of the story. His dad said, 
do I have to do anything? <laughs> and uh, the answer was, no, you don't. He says, okay, let's do it. And we got the okay to name it the Carney Awards. Sadly, awesome. he died, uh, you know, the next year, so he never got to see yeah. what we're doing now. Hopefully, he is looking down to see what we've done. But that's how that that was the birth of the Carney Awards. Well, the beauty is, I mean, I'm pretty sure he knew before he died that you had great respect and you were going to treat the awards with respect, which you clearly have, because if you're doing an award for character actors, you obviously have respect for the people that aren't getting any. Which credit. is what he told his son. Yeah, you know, let's it? just you know let's do this with respect to the actors and 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 make it classy. Yeah, which I think you've done. You know, I haven't seen the show yet. It obviously airs December 2nd, so it's coming up, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, what time? 9 p.m. Oh, Eastern. Oh, 9 p.m. I thought you said 5 p.m. No, 9 p.m. Well, who Eastern. the hell's going to be? 6 p.m. <laughs> Pacific and uh, the other time frame in between. And where you did it, you this is the you did it at a different place this time. You got, I mean, you got the, the not the, the broad stage. In Actually Santa spelled Monica? broad, but pronounced broad. I don't know why. So that lame. might why be the next thing that, that we work on. Why the heck do they call it? It's like the Van Wick or the Van White. They call it the broad. <laughs> Uh, and yes, the first two years we did it in Beverly Hills at the Paley, Paley Center, Paley Center right. which used to be uh, the Museum for TV and Radio. Oh. We have one here in New York on 52nd Street. Mm -hmm. It's also called the Paley Center. So we did it at the Paley Center. And that was smaller, right? Yeah. You uh, got a bigger venue. Yeah, only 150 years. seats. We had to pull out about 20 seats for the cameras. So the first year we only had about 130 people inside there. The second year... We had 175, so we had 30 people that couldn't get in, and they were watching it from the gallery. And this year, this was a make. This is not was. This is a make it or break it year for our show, and I say that in the spirit of all candor. Uh, Elvis and I have financed this completely on our own. We've had no sponsors. We've had no uh, broadcast outlets. And this year, we needed to make an impact. And so, part one was a bigger venue to make it a bigger spectacle. Two, try to get a real significant marquee honoree among the five that we chose um, uh, and third was see if you can get a great host not that fred willard and we can talk about fred willard who hosted the first two years and he was terrific but we wanted to take it up a level sure i understand that and then the, the final thing was see if we find a broadcast outlet uh, willing to air it so did elvis host it this year no oh who did Tom Bergeron from Dancing oh, with the Stars. Oh, hey, that is a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, I thought it was a very big deal. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's he, yeah, he's one of those guys you want to get to host him or Ryan Seacrest or somebody like somebody who hosts a national show. Um, right. I mean, Hollywood Squares, uh, yeah. Dancing with the Stars, sure. America's Funniest Videos. I no, think that's he a big did. deal. That's a big deal. So that's a good get. And the other primary reason was okay. But Fred Willard should be nominated anyway. Uh, he so. should be, and he <laughs> was terrific. He will be. Uh, he, he he's gotten a little older and oh. so we just felt that we needed to as you know the, the what i'm about to say we needed to move in a different direction right well tom bergeron's a, a professional whereas fred willard is a, of course a professional actor but as a host i think he might um not understand how it that you've got to keep the audience engaged like he might do throwaways that aren't working for everybody but he did his, them i mean he was very spontaneous you know when he went off script and it was very funny uh, he would mispronounce uh, a couple of the right. names, which, <laughs> which you never know whether it's for real or not. Right, right. right. And, I, and I'll tell you a story a little later about one of the honorees and how he mispronounced her name and how it came <laughs> back later in the show, which, again, now in retrospect is kind of funny, and you're there in the theater covering your eyes going, oh, my God, I can't believe he called her that. Uh, that's awesome. So, so um, first of all, we can talk who the five nominees are, or is that a secret? Oh, no. Uh, they're honorees, and they've been honored. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's okay, not a right. secret whatsoever. Right. There's no... It's not... 
it's an award to recognize them. It's not a contest. It's not like the Oscars or right. something. Right. There's no contest. You, now, you do choose 10 people, and then from those 10, you choose five through the um, list of people on the board. Now, how did you get these people? I was just have a couple uh, p- couple people's names I just took right off the that popped in my head. You got Jason Alexander. You have Ed Asner. These are all guys that could be nominated themselves at some point. Can you nominate be nominated if you're on the board? Yeah, we can nominate anybody we want. Okay. You know why? Because right. it's our show. Exactly. That's what I was hoping you would say that. Uh, Tim Conway, obviously Elvis Duran, uh, Vinny Favalli. You know Vinny? I do know him. For those of you who don't know Vinny, one of the greatest human beings ever made by God, works at CBS, yeah, was David Letterman's guy. liaison yeah. for the network for years. Yeah, I, uh, I got to finally meet him uh, about a year. My friend is the booker for the comedy, uh, Jessica Pilot. I don't know if you know her. No. Um, and so she introduced me. And of course, I'd known him for years from the Howard Stern show and just didn't realize how sweet he was. What a very nice man, you know, yeah. so that's fun. Uh, Bob Morton, who I know very well, who Morty. grew up in the same hometown as I did. Oh, is and that my right? Brother oh, and uh, our mutual friends, the same hometown. He grew up there. I didn't know that. As did the producer of the Commission. Oh, wait, uh, I must have known that because right, he's cousins with my friend Alan Klein, who grew up in Roslyn. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, uh, the producer, the producer. Remember the, the TV show The Commission? Yeah, that's with Chicklis. Right, and then uh, his name is Stephen Cronish, and he went on to produce uh, Twenty Four. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. So uh, our little hometown, which has a whale swimming around One of your nominees is in 24. Is that that Xander? Yeah, uh, uh, Xander Berkeley. Yes. Uh, who, uh, like for the first things. two seasons, was it the first two or first three, he played George Mason, who was the director of CTU, the, uh, the unit that Jack Bauer worked for. I never saw that show. Oh uh, not God. one episode. But First of all, this you're one, a moron for not having watched that show. I've Secondly, that. I'm incredibly jealous that you can now go and watch, I can all, watch all eight of them, seasons. Yeah. Uh, I was, became friendly with one of the girls who was uh, married to the guy in the first season who turned out to be a spy. Her name is Laura something or other. I met her because I wanted to go out with her. Well, one of the, one of the downsides of that show was that everybody seemed to be a spy or a turncoat right, at right. some point within CTU. That always makes me upset. Yeah, I don't like people lying. Well, bothers me. I didn't like the fact that they used that uh, plot point over and over and over again. Yeah, they do that in everything. But it's I kept on watching, so I guess I'm the moron. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Xander Berkeley was one of ours. So, uh, and he brought his wife to the event, Sarah Clark. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't, uh, uh, Come on, you can do it. Uh, she was also, but you didn't watch 24. She was also on 24. She has glasses? Uh, she know, wasn't wearing sometimes. them the night of the event. Oh, I don't know. What else is she in? Um, she is currently... I believe on the Amazon show, uh, based on the Michael Connolly books, the detective, Bosch. Oh, okay. And okay. I believe she plays the wife or ex-wife of Titus Welliver, who plays Harry Bosch, who introduced Xander at the event. It was very incestuous. Well, that's the kind of stuff we talk about on the show all the time. Incest? Connecting. No, but like the connections of people with people and just ma- always making those kind of connections. So Xander, I can't... What's his last name? I can't Berkeley. pronounce it. Berkeley. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's the Xander I had the trouble with. And if you want to go back X. and see one of his first movies, uh, it was a movie with Tom Hanks, and it was called Volunteers. Do you oh, the movie with John Volunteers? Candy. Yes. And Meg Ryan? No. No, that was the Rita later Wilson. One. Oh, where he met his wife. Oh. Yes. And he was already married to somebody else. Yes. What? But Xander played uh, Kent Sutcliffe. <laughs> his, uh, 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 Tom Hanks was in college at Yale, 
and and Xander Berkeley played his roommate. Uh, it was only in the movie for the first five or six minutes, if that. But uh, I believe that was uh, one of Probably his first about movies. Probably eighty-six, uh, trying to cash in on Splash, uh, pairing the two again, and it didn't do very well. You mean John Candy? No, Volunteers. I'm saying trying to. Well, you, we said pair them together. Yeah, yeah, pair. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Tom Hanks and John Candy. I don't know. Yeah. I actually think Volunteers. Were the it greatest didn't do well. It didn't made. do well though at the time. So maybe I don't know. In retrospect, it might be okay. Tom Tuttle from Tacoma. Tom Tuttle. That was John Candy's character. Oh, I was thinking of Tuttle from uh, that MASH episode. Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm out of the, I'm all over the place. Nor do I. But we lost one of those uh, <laughs> character actors uh, a couple of years ago, Alan Arbus. Oh, uh, Sydney. Yes. Uh, the the yes. psychiatrist. Yeah, he died a couple of years ago. Made it until his 90s. Excellent example of what you do. There's so many. So, folks, what I'm saying is, like, I didn't know who Xander Berkeley was. But he's like, the, what, the, the nominees you have this year, it's like when you go on your site, it's like you like for instance the best example William Fitchner Fickner Fick, Fickner sorry he's right. beat, he's beat people up for less I, yeah I don't even I don't know I don't know how to pronounce his name because I didn't know who he was I see his face I'm like oh my god and I all of a sudden I can name two movies he's in that I know by heart his scenes um, number one uh, off the top of my head um, Armageddon when I saw it no um, uh, the Dark Knight. He okay. plays the the bank uh, like guy, whatever. He comes out with the badass and he's and Heat, Heat, where he get where uh, Robert De Niro, I believe, uh, kills him. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, a wise guy in Heat, and he's. I mean, it's like I know his face, and this is your whole thing. These are what the Carney Awards are about. It's, These guys that you know them a hundred times over, but you cannot place their names. William Fickner, among others, has been seemingly in every movie or yes. every TV show ever made. And if I can just tell a quick story about Fickner, it was about four and a half years ago when we were trying to put together the sizzle reel for the show. And I had gotten the commitment from a whole bunch of actors who were going to do it for us. And I come out of my office on 6th Avenue, and there's this tiny little park, and two of the doormen in, in, in the building are pointing across and going, oh, my God, it's that guy. It's that guy. It's that guy. <laughs> and I'm looking to see who they're looking at. It was Bill Fickner. And I'm like, this is exactly why we need the Carney That's Award. That's right. And I ran up to him, introduced myself, told him what we were doing, asked whether or not he would consider doing uh, the sizzle reel for us, which he gave me his email. He said that he would. He was leaving town. Uh, of course, he was not in town when we did the sizzle reel, but the day we completed the sizzle reel, he actually called and said, probably too late, but I'm back. Oh. And the fact that he followed through, uh, uh, as, as Don Corleone was saying, that I don't forget. I don't, I don't forget. Um, the, the criteria for your awards is also interesting. I think I have it here. There are 10 nominees... The criteria is that each actor could not have won an Oscar or an Emmy. So you said they could have been nominated, but they can't win. They must have been acting for at least 25 years and have a total of at least 50 film and or TV credits. Which we've learned 50 is, is, is nothing. Right. This guy's... Well, each of these people have probably been in 100 things. Uh, at least. Yeah. I mean, if you go on the IMDb, like I take William Fickner... I, Fickner, I don't know why I can't get it right, but it's it's funny that these guys they always have names you can't pronounce, you know, with Xander who who spells the name with an X. Um, but Fickner was in, you know, I'm looking it up on a quiz show. I've seen that movie a hundred times. I can't place where he is in that movie, and I pro next time I see it, I can't wait. I mean, I, I don't know why I've seen that movie a hundred times. I really like it a lot. 
Um, also, you know, Prison Break, prison which break. I totally remember he him from. Sh- he should have won something for Prison Break. And Entourage. Entourage. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm looking at him like, oh, right, he's... Right, he's like, I mean, that's what you will do with these people. This is why you, just like you said, this thing. I'm like, oh my God, right, of course he's that guy. Um, this year you also have William H. Macy, who everybody does know much more than William at this point. Right, uh, and that goes back to what I was telling you a minute ago. It was a very important year for us, and I felt that we needed a really a a major marquee name. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he, and, and he is I believe that. he might have won an... Emmy, an Oscar for, or he was certainly nominated for Fargo. I don't remember if he won, but he actually no, might. No, he did. I don't think he won. Okay, but he might have won an award, and we had to we had to circumvent the rules this year. Again, we created the rules. Right, so I mean. But we needed. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, sometimes when a character actor is, when people get together and they realize that a character actor is that great enough to win an Oscar, let's also you know, give them the accolades they deserve. Right, and, and the difference too. also is the few character actors that have won an award, be it an Oscar or an Emmy, it's for a specific performance. Right. Can you name the most recent two male character actors that have won Oscars? Probably. Let me think. Um, I'm really good at I this. I could give you, <laughs> uh, I mean, I can give you the most recent one if I gave you the name well, of the movie. Give me the year. Uh, we're in 2017. He won uh, two years ago. Maybe three. No, I think it was only two years ago that this. Oh, J.K. Simmons. That's right for Whiplash. Boom. And the one prior to him, I don't remember the movie, but it was Chris Cooper. You know oh, who- Chris, of course. From and he, um, I believe no, he didn't win for. I was the uh, adaptation. It was a different one after that. Oh, mm. but that goes back at least ten years. But they're the the only two character actors that I'm aware of that have won in in recent times. Yeah, and uh, boy, J.K. Simmons is a great example. Of somebody, you know, but sometimes uh, with character acting, you know, J.K. Simmons is a very big personality. So sometimes you wonder, is that character acting? Because, you know, we all know J.K. Simmons now, especially for Spider-Man, you know. uh, Well, on the the Farmers commercials. Well, well, that now, right. But um, it's hard to, like Nicholson in a way, it's hard to tone down your when you're bigger than life kind of. Most of the character actors we know... Somebody like a Bob Balaban or somebody who you nominated. We honored, you honored, we honored the him first in our first year. year. Yeah, I mean, great one. That's a classic. I mean, this guy has been... I mean, he was in Midnight Cowboy, for Christ's sake. In 1969, I've got a picture of him on my phone. And you talk about things that I, I would do with my brother. And, and here we are into the awards now. We've been producing them for two years. And I'm watching Midnight Cowboy sometime during this past year. And I froze the TV. I took a picture of Bob Balaban and I sent it to my brother. Blowing. Uh, it was in the bathroom. John Voight, yes, right? it was in the bathroom with John Voight. <laughs> right. And I, I snapped the picture and I sent it to him and I go, "Who is this?" And I go, "It's not Rick Moranis." Because if you look at right. the pictures, they look just like Rick Moranis. <laughs> they do. He couldn't get it. Really? Yeah. It's so funny because I had just seen Midnight Cowboy like recently, maybe in the past seven years. When I saw, he, I had no idea who was in it. I couldn't even believe my eyes. I mean, this is a guy who plays the, uh, you know, he's in all the Christopher Guest stuff, and he plays the president of, on Seinfeld of NBC. That's right. And, um, Get a so good many look, Costanza. Yeah, right. Let alone, um, I remember, you know, from Altered States. You know, it's like when you go back. Close and Encounters. You're like, right, right. He's in goddamn Close Encounters. It, these people were invited, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I even know his lines. 
it's amazing the span of a lifetime and you don't have any idea you're like you know who he is can't think of his name and it's the span that we're honoring yes. again as I was saying you know the Oscars they do one performance we wanted to do an entire lifetime body of yeah. work and, and that's huge which is the best which is why um, uh, sometimes during the Oscars I do a podcast I get very angry at the Oscars sometimes because sometimes people I believe I, I hope this isn't please don't take offense to this but I um I believe that Art Carney won his Oscar as a lifetime achievement award. I don't. I mean, I think the performance probably was okay, did. I mean, it was a great performance. He went up against Al Pacino. Well, that's what I'm member. saying. You know, he went up against the guys in The Godfather and stuff like that. So it's like, uh, you know, but but that's all right. I mean, sometimes it wasn't that undeserved. Happens. But no, the, no, the right, case exactly. certainly could have been made that Al Pacino could have won that year as <laughs> well for The Godfather too. Maybe. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's '74, right? Yeah. So it's like. Um, right, and that's when he won it for Harry and Tonto. Yeah, and you're right. Well, that's the thing. So I, I have a ca- I have a list, a category of ones that win for performances, like uh, the guy from Silence of the Lambs, uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, who they stood because the performance was spectacular. Uh, when Al Pacino wins for Scent of a Woman, it's for a Lifetime Achievement Award. They stand for that. So I have a list and like color, color categories, you know, all the way from 1970 to 2016 because I guess it came up because Leonardo DiCaprio won for The Revenant where I could have listed a hundred other things he should have won for. That's a Lifetime Achievement Award even though he's young. Um, technically, that's a Lifetime Achievement Award for me and that sometimes makes me upset. But when there's nobody else that year, sometimes I guess that's how you, you work it and stuff. But what you're doing, I love the Lifetime Achievement Award. I want them to win for a Lifetime Achievement Award, and it's really special. You also, uh, uh, Richard Kind. I mean, this guy should have been on the, the first year. This guy is the consummate, hilarious guy you see in a hundred different things. I actually know him personally. I see him all the time. He's a complete New Yorker. He's around everything. I just auditioned for Tootsie, the musical, and he's playing the agent in uh, you know the Sydney Pollack right, played part. by Sydney Pollack. Yeah, and he... Is obviously amazing. It's a much smaller part than in the movie, but when he does the reveal, when he finds out that the guy is Dustin Hoffman, you know, could, oh, in this production he doesn't know. Only the roommate knows. The Bill Murray character is the only part that knows that he's the a character woman that he's dressing was Jeff. up. Jeff Bill Murray played Jeff. That's correct. Excellent. Because Lloyd Gaines, who was that creepy old doctor actor in the original Tootsie, once the reveal happened, oh, I love him. He goes, "Does Jeff know? Does Jeff? I, I could do him." <laughs> um, Oh, Dorothy, I love what you did with our scene today. <laughs> Jeff, I was supposed to kiss her. Yeah. Oh, Punky. Right. <laughs> now, there was a interesting character actor, too, right? Oh, well, look, yeah, Charles Durning, uh, who, if right, he was still alive, certainly. Oh, he died? Uh, all, he died? Yeah, he, uh, at least a few years ago. Uh, you know, but he was, uh, you know, he was one of those great character actors. Um, and, but let me say something about Richard. Uh, yeah, please. I want to play a clip from him, too. In our first three years, three of the... I mean, they were all worthy, so don't get me wrong, but there were three, one in each year, that exemplified more than the others why we were doing it. In year one, it was Bruce McGill. Oh, my God! That guy... You're, there you go! When I first met Bruce, oh. and, and Bruce was one of the guys who was, was willing to do our sizzle reel, and if I just might say this, uh, how do I get Bruce McGill... I called up his agent, who I had met on the golf course 25 years earlier. I played one round of golf. I was out in L.A., and my brother and I were playing golf one morning. We hooked up with these two guys. One was an agent. I wasn't an agent at that point. 
we had a nice time. They invited us to their agency outing. We played golf. I saw Bruce McGill. I'm like, holy crap, that's freaking th- It's D-Day. <laughs> it's D-Day. 25 years later, when Elvis gave me the go-ahead to resurrect this, I said, I need credible actors to help me sell it. I reached out to the agent that I played golf with and says, you will have no recollection of this, but this is what happened. He responded, tell me who you want, and I'll reach out to them. Wow. Bruce McGill was the first one to say, yeah, I'll help these guys. So when I met Bruce at my hotel room in Los Angeles, where we filmed all of them at the Bel Air Hotel in L.A., I said to Bruce, I just have to ask you, what's it like being in every movie and TV show ever made? (laughs) And he laughed. But Bruce McGill, in year one, Last year, Stephen Tobolowsky. Oh, my God, yes. Okay, wait, wait. Let's just take one at a time okay. because you're completely on, on base on this. And Richard Kind, however, in year three. Those are the three that exemplify Agree. what we're doing. Agree. And, I mean, this is why you are a wonderful guest. This is what we do on this show. Um, I, like, I would call Sarah Silverman as my friend, you know, and I called her one day, and I'm like, uh, like this is the way I would say it to her, because I did it with Robbie Rist. Do you know who that yeah, is? Yeah, uh, he played Oliver Cousin on Oliver, uh, Brady, Brady Bunch. Bunch. Right. <laughs> so I called up Sarah, and I go, um, hey, do you remember how Mark Marin had Obama on his show? I just got Robbie Rist on my... Because <laughs> she knows how important... Like, to me, she's laughing. But, like, somebody, like, getting a Bruce McGill for me is getting Obama, which you understand, and the people that understand these awards, there's, there's us out here, and we get it. Now, Bruce McGill... I mean, before I met you, before, I mean, today, obviously, but before I knew about your awards, this is a guy, just like you and your brother, when you're sending the pictures, I mean, how many times did I see him like, wait, I think that's D-Day from Animal House. I mean, first of all, he's in Animal House. Holy shit, right? I mean, that is what could be better in life than to be in Animal House. And since I've been in a couple things myself, it's like sometimes I, I get a, I'm glad I'm in, like, I'm in TV Funhouse, uh, with Bob Smigel, and okay. it makes me happy that at least I've done that. You know, like that's all I have in my on your IMDb existence. Page. Yeah, um, but I mean, oh my god, right? So Animal House. I mean, I, I mean, this is off the top of my head. I mean, do people know he's in my cousin Vinny? He plays the sheriff in my cousin Vinny, and I, for some reason, I know his lines. I'm like, well. Uh, I did on a some hunch. work on a hunt. On a hunch. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to do. And it's like, why do you and I know that? Nobody knows that. I think that sometimes I say that in the shower on a daily basis. I don't know why, but then he's in Legally Blonde 2. Uh, I mean, it's like, uh, he's all, and it's like, before, after Animal House, and, and you, uh, you and I being the same age, we're always looking for all those actors and whatever they're in because we worship them and we want them to do well. You know, we want Tim Daly to do... Uh, Tim Daly? No, 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 I got that wrong. Um, who's uh, Otter? Oh, uh, Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson. We want to see Tim Matheson excel. We, you know, we want to see Peter Rieger excel. We want to see um, the guy from Amadeus, uh, you know... Uh, yes, Kr- Pinto. Pinto, uh, Kruger, uh, <laughs> whatever, right. We want to see all those people do well. We want to see them in other stuff because we just... We love them so much in that movie... We want to make sure they're they're okay and that they they have money and they don't end up penniless. It, it's so weird. And so Bruce McGill is one of those guys. Like, geez, I don't know if we'll ever see him again. And he is one of those journeymen who you don't even recognize. It's right, and it's 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 like comfort food or comfort television. Anytime one of these actors is in a movie or a TV show, it's like, oh, he's in it. I'll watch. And they and they and they, here's a guy with an iconic role. So everything else he does is is great, but he has that. Now, Stephen Tabalowski, I've met several times. 
Um, he's a very lovely guy, first of all. Amazingly and so. And obviously... And as it of seems last, like a lot of these character actors yet are very lovely people. They are, thank because goodness. again, for the most part, they don't get the recognition. You know, they they, they don't have the egos. Right. Um, and you were mentioning as you were trying to read, uh, you know, some of the criteria. You know, uh, have to be performing for twenty five years. Have to have a minimum of fifty credits. <sighs> Stephen Tobolowsky, as of last year's show, had two hundred and fifty three <laughs> My God. credits. How old is he? Sixties in his early mid, early to mid sixties, and he was early introduced by Julie Haggerty. Oh wow, that's great! Did they do they know each other? Were they in yeah. something together? No, uh, oddly enough, they weren't in anything together, and they've just been. Uh, they might have been in theater together. There's a, a woman, I suppose, you can nominate because that's something I want to talk about too. Is it hard to find women? There are there are less women yeah. than there are men, so it's uh, it's a little bit more challenging for us. We had women in our first two years. We had CCH Pounder in year one. She's black. I know. I know. Yes, I she just, is. Um, again, don't know her name. Once but, I saw her face, I'm like, oh my god, I must have seen her in a hundred. Right, things. Sons of Anarchy, The Shield. Uh, right. Currently, she's on the NCIS New Orleans program. She was an Avatar, uh, and I know she was in, in many others. Uh, so she was the first year, and then we had Conchata Farrell in year two. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. Two and a half no, men. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I know. <laughs> who was she in Two and a Half Men? Uh, the, the 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 housekeeper. I'm blanking oh, on the lady's name. Oh my god! Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Roberta. Oh my god! Or, right. Con, Bur- I think it was Berta. 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 Yeah. Yes. Uh, this year, oh, that's so funny. You're just like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> of course. This El- is the way it goes. If you were to ask Elvis, he would he gets so annoyed because over the years I'd say, hey, you know that actor, uh, you know Wendy Malick, and he goes, no. I go, yes, you do. Yes, you do. So Wendy Malick is another one of the nominees you have this year. Honor- uh, the honoree. Sorry, yes. sorry, sorry. And again, great pick, um, Wendy Malick. You know, I, you know, looking her up online, you know, it's a hundred things. I remember her from Dream On. And then there's one of those people like, I never watched Dream On, but I remember that she was on. And then, uh, you know, I remember when she was on Just Shoot Me. I'm like, oh, that's the girl from Dream On. And then you just see her continue and on Hot in Cleveland. Right. And, you know, she just works, 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 whether it's TV or movies. Just one of those actresses that just keeps working. Still looks really good. She looks great. Um, yeah, amazing. And great pick. Great pick. Um, kind of always plays the same kind of role, but still... Uh, you know, you have to hand it to her. It's it's always a little bit different. You know, she plays a little upper class, you know, kind of thing. Right. I think she did that in Frasier when she was on Frasier. Yes, that's right. Right. Yeah. She always plays that kind of uh, role, which is kind of but cool. But how many people, men or women, can can talk about having been in three series? Uh, I think Dream Mom was the eight. I think Dream Mom was the eighties. Yeah, uh, either later or early nineties, maybe. Okay, and then just shoot oh. me after that. Uh, that was and then hot for hot in Cleveland after that, right? Uh, you know, so she she was incredibly worthy. She was in, but I was looking, she was in Kate and Alley and Baywatch. You know, I mean, and see, and it's funny if you go onto the IMDb pages and you look back at some of the episodes that these actors did in their early days, they all did it. And 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 you know, even back in the in the seventies or eighties, uh, there's an actor by the name of Michael Fairman. Uh, Michael Fairman, you'd recognize if you saw him. If you remember the movie uh, 13 Days, where Bruce Greenwood plays JFK, uh, Kevin Costner plays his uh, special advisor. It's about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Kevin Michael Costner was in another JFK movie? Yes, oh, I, where he I played know. the advisor That's weird. to Bruce Greenwood, <laughs> who played JFK, called 13 Days, okay. uh, based on the book 13 Days, about the 13 days of the Cuban Missile right. Crisis. And Michael Fairman... Uh, played uh, the uh, um, the the UN ambassador, and I'm blanking on the, the real ambassador's name at the moment. And uh, again, you recognize him. So now go to last Thanksgiving or two Thanksgivings ago, and I'm watching 
if not on Cozy, MeTV or Antenna TV, I'm watching an old episode of WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, and I'm watching the most famous episode in KRP history. You know the episode? The Thanksgiving pig the one? The Thanksgiving the, episode. The carp? Where, where they drop WK the turkeys. I oh, that's the WKRP carp against the WPIG pig. Oh, that's what, okay. Where they drop the turkeys yeah, and they're the, hitting. Les Nesman drops them in the helicopter. Yeah, yes, because they... Th I swear, I thought they could fly. <laughs> right, of course. But they're dropping into a store, a parking lot in front of a store. The store manager is Michael Fairman. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? And as you're talking about how excited you get about having Robbie Wrist, that made my night by seeing Michael Fairman playing a store manager with one line. Yeah, that's. I know exactly what you're talking about because I think, let me see if I have it. What was it? Uh, yeah, what was the show? Oh, it was What's Happening. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. Clip. Oh, I can't find it. I thought I had it. Um, there was a, an episode I saw. I, guess I don't have it. Um, I thought I had it right on a thing. There was an episode I saw, and I taped it for my listeners, like, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago. It had everybody in it. It had Robbie Rist. It had David White, who played Larry Tate on Bewitched. Oh, yes. Did I have yeah. his name right? I David think White. I, White is certainly, I think. It had... Uh, Dick Van Patten. I mean, it had everybody, like all the people. I'm like, what? What were they? And only small parts. Like mm -hmm. they, I don't. It, it was 77 before Dick Van Patten got eight is enough, and clearly after Bewitched, where David White would end up in a lot of stuff where we couldn't. We're like, oh my god, it's Larry Tate. Yeah. Like even Brewster's Millions. You know, this guy. That's right. That was definitely a character actor guy. Let alone we always talk about um, Doctor Bombay. So, so was the Bewitched. so was the guy who uh, was pulling for. Uh, Richard Pryor and Brewster's Millions, uh, the guy who was sort of overseeing it, Pat Hingle. Oh, God, Pat right, Hingle, Pat Hingle. He's been great in so much stuff. Actor, yes. Right. If when he was still was alive, I'd like everything. Right, right, right. But I'm thinking of something in particular. Right, I knew he was in that. He was the good guy in Brewster's Millions. I yes. mean, he was the one who was yes. like, you know, whatever. But I just, oh, I know. I just saw him in a Cheers episode. He's the one he used to bartend before Sam when he was working. He got one good day to bartend, and he was yelling at all the staff, and then it turned out he made like $500. And, oh, I just saw that. I knew I saw that. Here we are. I mean, this is great stuff. David, this is so cool. I know. Sadly, I could doing. do this for days. I know, and this is like so much fun. That's why I knew you'd be an outstanding guest. Just one thing about Stephen Tobolowsky, I just want to say, I mean, here's another guy again that has an iconic one iconic thing for sure out of everything, which is Groundhog Day and Ned Ryerson. And then, you know, he's in so many things. I remember him being in Heroes, playing a villain. You know, a guy like that should never, you'd never think could play a villain. And that's what, a little different from Wendy Malick, these kind of, these are guys that play different kind of roles. Even though Steve T Stephen Tabalowski is always kind of playing the nerd, um, he's able to switch it up sometimes. Yeah, no, there were a couple of dramatic roles he, uh, he had done. In fact, yeah. he did the movie Memento. I don't know if you remember Memento. Sure, with, uh, uh, the guy from uh, Risky Business and The Matrix. No, uh, I, Nolan, Christopher Nolan. Well, Christopher, but I'm um, talking about the guy who's in it, uh, Joe Pantoliano, right? Oh, okay. Yes. An an another great character actor. Yes. Um, another guy who shouldn't be a character actor. The guy has the one voice. He's a tough guy. But yet, yeah, there he is. Just I'm in Risky Business. Yeah. With another great character actor, Curtis Armstrong, who played... Oh, Booger. Booger. <laughs> Booger. I just read his biography. It's is it great. good? Yes, I've become very friendly with Curtis. He plays Booger. He was in Moonlighting. Um, yes. He, uh, he's he also played Herbert. He's a new girl. 
he was a new girl. He uh, in the movie Ray, he played uh, Jamie Foxx's manager, uh, and he looked like Clint Howard, who is Ron Howard's <laughs> brother. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Clint Howard, ironically, is a very good character actor, even looking like that, or whatever. Even though before when Ron Howard put him in stuff, he was in he was, as a kid. I mean, he's in um, that Star Trek episode, Tronya. Uh, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. However, I'm not a big fan of Clint because he's had he he, he hasn't wanted anything to do with the Carney Awards. Well, he's very unattractive. Yes. So, uh, yes. You know, Sorry. I, I have no wrong. problem with uh, putting throwing him right under the bus. But remember the old six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I of mean, course. you can do three degrees of Carney Award honorees uh, and just keep going and going. Isn't it great? You're and doing such a great thing. <laughs> I'd like to think so. And, and something that Bruce said to me uh, the day after uh, he shot our sizzle reel, and uh, he he stayed at the hotel to have some dinner because he didn't want to do the long drive uh, with traffic. And he said, you know, I got to tell you something. Uh, Doing this has made me take a step back and actually reflect on my career. He goes, because I'll just speak for myself, but I'm assuming a lot of the actors like me, we go from paycheck to paycheck. Meaning, you know, yeah. we, we go for a couple of days, we do a role, and then we move on to the next one and the next one. The and working the next one. actors. Yes. And he goes, rarely have I ever taken a step back to say, man, I've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that's yeah, because they work all the time. They probably don't even, yeah, they probably don't. Yet even though they back. work all the time, they fear not getting the next job. I know. I know it's like that. Yeah. It's, isn't that interesting? And then there are the actors that have been working for a long time that end up getting that pivotal role. Finally, um, like a George went or somebody like that, or John Ratzenberg or, been working for years and then they get a pivotal role you could almost uh, put william h macy in that category even though he was Shameless, that iconic like yeah that? yeah but he was but he was getting I mean, it's the role of a lifetime for him he's been doing what seven or eight seasons yeah. now and outside of fargo he'll probably be most remembered now for playing frank gallagher yeah and uh, and, and boogie nights too uh and you know i just saw when i again when i was looking up you know william h Macy. we all know a lot of people know who he is um he, sports night you know, it's one of those things. I saw Sports Night. I'm like, oh, wait, of course he was in Sports Night. Like, I know that. Pretty sure that's like, where he met his wife. Uh, Felicity, Felicity Huffman. Huffman. Yes. That makes so much sense, isn't that? It's fascinating. And uh, also because Robert Guillaume just died, I think. Wasn't he in Sports Night yep, as well? Yep, um, And then I saw that he was in Somewhere in Time. I don't know who he was. I don't know what he was doing. But I've seen that movie a hundred times. Probably didn't even recognize that he was in it. I mean, this is 1981. You know, I mean, this guy's been working such a long time. This Somewhere in Time is an interesting movie. It's with Christopher <coughs> Reeve and Jane Seymour. I don't know if I'm you not know familiar it. with it, no. A lot of people aren't, but I was obsessed with Christopher Reeve because he was Superman. And in my world, what I was saying before, like with the people from Animal House, I wanted to see Christopher Reeve excel in the movies. Now, Christopher Reeve is an example of an actor who's not very good. He's not a good actor, but yet he was such a... A delight in a way. I don't know him in person. I've heard he was very nice, but it was fun to watch him act because he just—he was pleasant to watch. That's a whole nother category of people that maybe aren't that good, but they just—you're watching him act. He's not good, but yet I can sit there and watch that movie and completely enjoy myself and his performance. Yeah, I would agree. Um, affable comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. It's in, there's a whole bunch of people, I guess, like that too. Keanu Reeves is an example of somebody who's a bad actor who um, I I don't want to watch, but yet for some reason his <clears throat> movies excel, even though he, he does I, a great job. I, I, I might suggest that his role in, in Bill and Ted, uh, I mean, I was convinced he was a stoner. 
I know, and I thought he was really good at Parenthood too. You I would know? have liked to have seen that character. I'm sorry, uh, with Jeff Spicoli. Oh, uh, you know they could have done a a, a a a male stoner comedy back in the early '80s. That is the greatest thing that um, Sean Penn ever did and ever will do. And I don't care how many Oscars he'll win, but that is the best thing ever. Uh, and then I was wondering if you knew. Actually, I was going to play this for you because uh, I was wondering if you knew about this guy. Can you, can you honestly tell me that you forgot? Forgot the magnetism of Robin Zander or the charisma of Rick Nielsen? That's kid stuff. Kid stuff? Well, how about the tunes? I want you to want me. The dream police. It's from uh, Fast Times. Your mama's all right. Your dad is all right. It's Mike DeMone. Mike DeMone. Hey, Stacy. Hey. This is some great iced tea. <coughs> yes. Now, where is that guy? Don't now, know. why that guy should have been a character actor. He would have had this iconic performance. He should be. Where is that guy? Everybody always wonders. What happened to that guy? What happened to Rat? Well, actually, I know what happened to Rat. I see him on the street all the time. Do you he really? He gained a lot of weight, and he doesn't look too good. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, <laughs> I do. He, he used to live in the neighborhood. He clearly doesn't live here anymore. Do you know who I see up in my neighborhood in the Upper East Side, and I have not stopped him yet, and because I probably haven't seen him since we officially got the carnies going, uh, but it was the actor uh, who uh, was in uh, 48 Hours, who played Luther. Oh, I, I, know, I know who it is. His first name is David. I can't David remember. Patrick... Uh, I know who he is. He's also in. Is he? In, he's in the Warriors. He was in the Warriors. He's in the Warriors. Warriors. He's a, yeah. He's a, and he's in uh, Commando. He was also in Gossip Girl. He was in Dreamscape. In, he, yes, you remember Dream, Dreamscape? Of course I do, because he has like a, that woman dying. He goes, "That's a fucking shame." I remember. <laughs> um, David Patrick Kelly, maybe something right. like that. Um, he, he's also in Once. But he looks like he's seventy years old. Yeah. he's got white hair. Yeah, you can recognize him right away. So I saw the play, the Broadway play, Once. He opens the show playing the ukulele, and I'm and I go to my friend. I'm like, "That's the guy from the Warriors." It's a, a positive, and he's like, "Wow, what a call!" And it was like when you can call it right away that. like that. I love that. Isn't that the best? Yeah. yeah, I think he does live in the neighborhood clearly because uh, he's around New York. Like I said, he's in Gossip Girl, a working actor. And it's weird. It's like one of those things. You're like, where's that guy? Where's that guy? But he always works all the time. You know, maybe we don't see him in everything every day. Maybe he's not in stuff, but he's working all the time. Yep. And how interesting. He just played a college professor in Gossip Girl. I mean, this is the guy, the villain in every movie yeah. from the 80s. Always a villain. And um, then he can play these other roles. It's fa- And he plays the father of the guy in Once in the Broadway show. Fascinating. Excellent call on that. I am going to stop him on the street next time I see him. Oh, God, I'd love to get that guy on the You know, people like that I'd love to have on the show. Like I mean, Luther. You. Luther, yeah, are Luther, you angry with me? Luther's on the move, man. <laughs> I, I mean, you know just as many lines as I do. No wonder. Sadly. And I know. Yeah, but you've made something of yourself, and that's like the good thing. Um, with Rat, um, interestingly, we both auditioned for this Woody Allen play back in 1981 called The Floating Light Bulb, and he got it. And then he won the Tony. <laughs> and then he uh, got Fast Times. And I'm like, oh, man, I could have gotten Fast Times. But what good is it if you don't do anything after? He was in one other Amy Heckerling uh, movie called Loser. He just had one Which would have been appropriate. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's true. I've been trying to get her on the show. What an interesting interview she would be because uh, a female director back in 1980. Yeah, I remember she made uh, The Making of Mr. Right. Yeah, starring well, unfortunately. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres? John Malkovich. Oh, not John, not Ellen. Jo- I don't remember who else was in it. I just remember John Malkovich. Oh, maybe it was that girl who was in stuff for from, for a while. Uh, 
She had a band called Bong Water. I should know that. Um, she was in a bunch of stuff in the 80s, and then she just kind of faded away. Um, John Malkovich was in Making Mr. Right. Yes. Yes, and I think I'm right about the girl. It wasn't Ellen DeGeneres. That was something else. But it also had right in it, something. I think that's why. I'm, or maybe I had it wrong. I can't remember. But, um, Very good. Oh, my God. That's so... Uh, yeah, well, but she had two iconic movies. She had Fast Times Ridgemont High and Clueless, which is fantastic. And Clueless, the Alicia Silverstone's dad, was played by... Oh, Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya. Uh, you recognized him as well, right? Last year, we gave him the first Lifetime Achievement Award. Well, oh, you mean you so have we, character actors, you have the award, <clears throat> the, they get a Carney Award, but you also have a Lifetime Achievement Award? We decided, again our show we made it up <laughs> and we wanted to give dan he wasn't one of the honorees like why not like why did you decide to take him as the lifetime achievement award instead of like just giving him a carney because what was the difference my brother and brian carney and i felt that for whatever reason dan wasn't going to be acknowledged to the level that we all acknowledged him because of the roles that he had i mean from commando to nick tortelli interesting story about nick tortelli from cheers do you know how many episodes Nick Tortelli was in on Cheers? I'm going to just take a guess. Yeah. But being 10 seasons, um, I'm going to say seven times. Six. Oh, that was pretty close. And yet that character yeah, stood I, out so much. I mean, hell, they created uh, an offshoot for a little while. The oh, that's Tortelli, right. The they did. Right, with uh, Casey Kasem's wife. Yes. Did you know him? You must have. I did because I used to work for a TV syndication company that was built on America's Top Ten with Casey Kasem. Right, of course. And I've become very friendly with Casey's daughter, Carrie, who is a radio personality. She's been to all three of the Carney Awards. And frankly, last year when we decided to give Dan the Lifetime Achievement Award, I kind of felt compelled to call her and say, I know you're planning on coming to the event, but I just wanted you to know that we're going to give Dan Hedaya an award because Dan acted with Gene Kasem. They don't get along, And right? they were suing each other because yeah. she, like, stole the body. K- yeah. Yeah, we know the whole story. That's why I was wondering. We don't know who's right. We were just talking about this in the podcast last week. Um, is uh, the daughter you know is, what's her name? Carrie. Carrie. Is she nice? <laughs> Terrific. Okay, so then, then we're pretty sure that Gene Kasem is crazy. I, I would think so. Okay. And we weren't, you're never sure who's who. So that's why now we have the proof. Thank so you. now again, uh, th- three degrees of separation. So Carrie, uh, and I hope I'm saying it uh, publicly, and I know it, she is dating uh, a young actor named Jesse Cove, K-O-V-E, whose father is Martin Cove, who you would not know the name, right. but... I'm all smiles because I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> he was in the original Karate Kid. Who did he play in the original Karate Kid? The, he was the evil the dojo owner. No, oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he he was the uh, the sensei. Yeah, the sensei that uh, that uh, taught uh, oh. the blonde guy that I'm blanking on his name, yeah, who was also the bad dude in Easy uh, in Back to School. You know, he always oh, played. that's that, the guy in Back to School. Yes, they tried to get the James Spader lookalike guy. Right? Yes, <laughs> but Martin Cove played the owner of that dojo. Uh, that made all those uh, uh, Karate Kid uh, assholes, if you will. What so, else did he play? Uh, Karate Kid Two, <laughs> <laughs> and I know he was in other things. But he, oh. it, so he, he's isn't that cool? He's isn't that California is probably all like that though. Everybody. And we got him to come to the show this year. Oh, that's so awesome! Yeah, Dan Hedaya, excellent <laughs> lifetime achievement. You're so right about Nick Tortelli, and the fact that that guy. 
playing a character like that that is so out there can get a role like in Commando where he's just playing a, a completely low down you know version of a evil you know Honduras evil leader or something like that or a very straight guy playing Alicia Silverstone's uh, dad in Clueless. Amazing in that. How many great lines did he have? What's with you, kid? Did the death of Sammy Davis leave an opening in the Rat Pack where he's like, listen, I got a forty-five and a shovel. I doubt anyone would miss you. He was amazing in that. And right. you're right. Once, if you, unless you have to be very skilled to know that he can play something like that because that Nick Tortelli could have, in a way, ruined him. Right. Uh, that's why you have to be a good actor. These people need to be recognized. If you can escape from Nick Tortelli and say that, oh, you're talking about the dad from Clueless and not say Nick Tortelli, you have done your job and you are an amazing actor and completely deserving of a Lifetime Achievement Award. You're right, a little more so than the... Yeah, again, but we just felt that he would be overlooked and he was a fan favorite well of all done. of ours. Yeah, and absolutely. Since it's our show, yeah. we created the oh, Lifetime I, Achievement Award. I love Award. what you're doing. Andrew um, said if I was out there, I could go, and I wasn't out there at the time. I think I was there two weeks early when you Yeah, it was uh, on Sunday the 29th uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. No, I just missed it. I really Next year, I really want to go. Um, well, you can you are see, doing it next year, right? We, <laughs> we certainly hope to get there. If enough people tune in to Cozy on Saturday, December, December 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's a perfect time, uh, then too. We, uh, well, I don't know. Saturday night, dead television, uh, yeah, the holiday season. It doesn't matter. I, I, I needed to get it on. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. This is the first time it's televised? Yeah. I think it's really exciting. I think people will totally like it because you're going to show clips if of they, everybody, right? Right. If, What's better than if, that? If That's the best part of the Oscars. find it and if they tune in, I'm just convinced they will like it far better. And, and, and that's an understatement than an Oscars or the Emmys because you're watching the same few people get the same few awards over and over again to see these people and, and how honored. And then, again, the people who are presenting them. We had Allison Janney this year. Oh, I was just going to mention how you have to use her. She has to be nominated at some point. Well, she's she's won quite a few things, I believe. Oh, she has, uh, so she can't... Uh, the, theoretically, she but can't. She's, but there's a female... Total character actress. Terrific. Yeah. And I first uh, remember her. Uh, she was in Private, Private Parts. Parts. You yes. know, where she played uh, the station manager yeah, in, in Washington. Washington. <laughs> Howard, you can't talk to the news girl. Yeah, and uh, Howard loves her. Yeah. Yeah. So she presented uh, to William Fickner, who is, uh, you know, currently co-starring with her on Mom. So, oh, is that so, right? Oh, he's in Mom? Yeah, so we had her <laughs> pr- like as a presenter. We had uh, Jeff Garland, who I'm oh, sure you know from the world of comedy. Well, yes, I do. And, of course, from Curb Your Enthusiasm and... So I'll tell you the story about that because I, I really don't care if, uh, if he finds out. But Richard Kind chose Stephen Weber to be yes, his presenter. Uh, from Wings. From I, Wings. I know him too. And so Weber was on board for three and a half months. And on the Thursday night before the Sunday show, we get an email from Weber. While he's in Finland, he can't do the show. Why not? Uh, because he was due on the set of uh, NCIS New Orleans mm. the following day. I'm going to see that guy, and I'm going to tell him. Well, good. I'm going to tell him off. Uh, this is what I do, We by were the way. devastated because we're two and a half days yeah. before the show. Richard was devastated, not so much for himself, but for us, and I really appreciated knowing that. That's so nice. He called up Jeff Garland. Jeff Garland came and did 20 or 25 minutes of stand-up all about Richard Kind. He didn't prepare. He didn't write anything down. And I'm, th- I'm in the audience thinking, oh, my God, I've got a Jeff Garland special here. 
Isn't that so? We're going to see that. We're going to see that. You'll see some of it. Right, right. Hey, that's terrific. Yes, we all get to see it. He was great, and uh, well, then you got a better deal. Yes, because not not only is is he a professional stand-up comic, but he's in a really successful TV series right now. Am I allowed to say bad words? Please, fuck Steven Weber. Yes, best thing that ever happened was him not coming to (laughs) the Tony Awards. Yeah, he's not funny at all. He's one of those guys that thinks he's funny, and uh, you put up with it because he's handsome. If we even put up with it, so we had uh, we had him presenting. We had Titus Welliver, who I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. <laughs> I love we can play this game all night. He's the actor who's currently starring in the Amazon series Bosch. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. you have seen him, right? Uh, right. I uh, mean, because right, that's that Bosch where I'm like, I, I know that guy. Yes, and I don't know who it is. And, and he's got a, a very strange name in Titus. I've Welliver. seen his face a hundred times. I know it's, it's in my mind right now as you say. He it, is I, going to win, I believe. Uh, if we go long enough, he'll be. Uh, I mean, you know what? The odds are most of these people right. at some point will be honored. Well, thank goodness. But he was a presenter for Xander Berkeley. That's great. Uh, we had uh, Dan Loria. Oh, of course, from, from uh, Wonder uh, Years. From Wonder Years, who's become a very good friend and a friend and of And a very show. good uh, Broadway actor lately, too. Yes, and he presented for Wendy Malick. Oh, nice. And so we, and we had Dennis Haysbert. I, I, mean, don't, I don't know who that is, David. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, no, you, you might oh, no, not what? because you didn't watch 24. Oh, I didn't. He played President David Palmer. But he must be in other things. Oh, plenty. Uh, he was in, uh, in Major League. Did you watch Major League? No. I, uh, okay. Was uh, he's currently the, the All-State guy. Oh, uh, the black guy? The black guy. Oh, why didn't you just say that? No, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, do you also have kind of the way with the women... Do you have trouble with black character actors sometimes? Like finding, there's uh, not a lot of no, those No, you know either. what? In the first year, uh, CCH C. Pounder, right. and we had a guy named Michael Ely. And we chose Michael oh. Ely because we wanted to choose Ooh, somebody be. younger. We wanted to, uh, we, we, it was almost done as an up and coming, uh, somebody to watch. Uh, currently, did you ever see the TV show The Following with Kevin Bacon? Yeah, Kevin Bacon, In right. the second season, he played the bad guy. Oh, okay. Uh, the black guy. He, I mean, <laughs> wow, he was one of the nastiest characters I've seen on TV in recent history. A year later, last year, uh, or I guess two years ago now, he starred in his first solo movie called Perfect Guy, The Perfect Guy, where you know the girl brings him home, he's this great guy, and turns out to be just out of his mind yes. insane. Um, he's been in the... Yes, not Jennifer the, Lopez. That's not Jennifer. Was that Jennifer Lopez? No. Okay. Uh, okay. That was he's been one. in the barbershop movies. Okay. Uh, he's. I think currently he might even be in Being Mary Jane. I'm married to a black woman, so I now watch. You are. Yes, I am. So oh. I'm now watching shows that I probably wouldn't oh. have watched on my own. That was uh, one of the other questions. David um, just got married. You're. We are similar ages. I've always told my audience I still have hope in the direction. I've never been married before. Why did it take you this long? You're a very handsome man. You're successful. What took so long? I didn't really want to get married. Uh, I let my co- You didn't want to get married? No. Huh? I let my career come first. I was very happy with it. Uh, but the sad truth is uh, in most of my jobs out of college uh, were all sales related. And being a salesman is a very independent lifestyle. I traveled quite a bit. You have to be you have to be good by yourself. And at some point, you become very good by yourself, and you'd almost prefer to be by yourself than with other people. And yeah, I'm, the, not, I mean, I'm, like, you know, I'm so confused right now because, I mean, I live uh, <laughs> alone and live my life very much alone, even though I have you know, friends and good times. But, yeah, I mean, I always other, say I want to you know, get married and stuff, but, I mean, I wonder if I can handle it at this point. You've been alone for so long. 
I mean, I've been living alone since 1987. It, 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 it's, 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 a, it's an adjustment. Uh, it was a huge fear. Uh, but I will say that being an agent for the 15 years that I worked at the agency, everybody is pulling at you day and night. And the last thing I wanted to do is go home and have to, quote, deal with anybody. And so, frankly, it was after I left the agency, uh, maybe about five years later, I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll date. Wow. And Did I you go met online her. or no? I, uh, I, met I met her downtown, and uh, we uh, we started dating and been dating for uh, six years. When it was finally like, okay, yeah, I need. How does your mother feel about this? I, I lost my mom uh, a long time ago. So that's the only reason you were able to marry a black girl. Well, I, I, she would have eventually come around. Oh, okay. So she's my dad awesome. wouldn't have. Oh, you know, really? I yeah. lost my dad a few years ago. Uh, I and 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 my wife Charmaine doesn't fully understand it my dad right. so was, you know i'm not crazy right no. i mean it sounds racist but and even though my dad was sort of you know no longer of great sound mind i wouldn't introduce i wouldn't introduce him to her because he, he always denied it but he was you know bigoted and and, and racisty and sometimes you don't hear that but i hear that from jersey you know me and Artie lang we talk about that all the time and stuff but i don't hear that much from people from long island well uh the way he would characterize it as he grew up in the South Bronx. You know, oh, all, all yeah. the Jews and the Italians, uh, you know, grew up in the South Bronx. Right. And it's, it's how you grow, grow up. Right. Yeah, and they a... move out to Long Island or the suburbs in the early 50s. And then by the 1970s, the, the Bronx became Fort Apache. Yeah. And my dad blamed one group of people and only one group of yeah. people. And that stuck with me. Uh, I mean, I didn't date black women just because my dad was uh, sort of racist tendencies. Yeah. But as he got older, I just I wasn't going to do it to him. Uh, I wasn't going to let him. I thought I was prejudiced um, when it comes to dating black girls. But then I realized that the black girls that liked me uh, were just unattractive. When I finally met one that was really pretty, I was like, oh, I don't have a problem with black girls. So that was the issue for me. Turned out I highly recommend them. superficial. I highly recommend them. <laughs> uh, but, but congratulations. But That's the two really things that really scared me, one, having been alone most of my life and independent, that was going to be something I didn't know if I'd be able to handle. And frankly, the other thing, and something to this day my wife does not accept. You know, my parents were married for 49 years before my mom passed away, and she had told me very candidly before she died that she stopped liking my dad 25 years earlier. Oh. And I said, why did you stay married? And they said... The kids. Oh. Uh, that broke my heart. I have uh, three brothers. Uh, two are divorced. Oh. The other is not. Um, the majority of people I've come into contact with throughout my adult life, very few are happily married. Uh, and so my life view of marriage has not been a very good view. And I'm not that special. I, I didn't think that, oh, well, mine's going to work when the majority of others don't. And so I had that as a backdrop. But as I started getting older, it really came. I found a girl who's a good girl, and the whole companion thing started to knock on my door. That, uh, you know, I remember someone yelling at me once a long time, you're going to die alone. And I never let that go. And I was like, yeah, maybe I don't want to die alone. Yeah, people so, say that. They scream that to me on the street all the time. <laughs> You're going to die alone. <laughs> You're an ass man. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, my um, my sister wanted to marry a Jew. Only only Jew. You know, my mother doesn't like people that she's reverse prejudice. She doesn't like anybody that's not Jewish. <laughs> so um, she was dating this 
guy who was not Jewish and she was in love with him. And when we were, in, I was in eighth grade, she was in sixth grade. I'm like, so you're telling me you fall in love with somebody, but just because they're not Jewish, you're going to break up with them. She goes, that's right. And until, you know, when she was 30 and, and meeting this guy, she goes, yeah, I'm breaking up with Matt on New Year's Eve. And I'm like, what? But you love him. She goes, he's not Jewish. That's the way it is. He knows he's out. And he moved away and he was heartbroken. And, and then she talked to people and she was like talking to people that got married to Jews because they needed to get married for Jews for their parents or whatever reason. They were all divorced and they all got remarried to the people they wanted to marry from like whatever high school or whatever it is. So she's like, ah, let's cut out the middleman. I'll go back to this guy. And they're happily married 21 years. It's a way it Like tomorrow. Be. I was never going to lull my parents into a false sense of security that I was going to marry a Jewish girl. Well, my and parents I went, always knew I wasn't going. And I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a Jewish town. Uh, you fact, weren't? No, uh, the, the little town that uh, uh, you know, me and uh, you know, the Hirsches grew up in, yeah. w- the Jews were the minority. There were only about 3,000 people in the whole town. Island Park on the South Shore of yeah. Long Island, home of Senator Al D'Amato, our claim to fame, <laughs> you know, plus Robert Morton and, uh, and Steve Cronish. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, mo- it was mostly Roman Catholic Italian, and I really didn't get exposed to Jewish girls until I went to Syracuse. Oh. And that was not an attractive look. No. I learned what the term <laughs> Jap meant yes. at that point. And Isn't I, that funny? We can call people Japs, and it seemed like it was perfectly fine. Yeah, and I was not attracted to them in any way, sense, Me or neither. form. Me yeah. neither. With all the dating I've done, I, I've never dated a Jewish girl. I didn't purposely stay away from them, but I never gravitated towards yeah, them. Yeah, I've only dated one. It was awkward. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I got the same thing. Um, our town was Jewish, but for some reason our junior high was completely anti-Semitic. <laughs> the junior high, there wasn't a lot of Jews. And when we went to high school, it was mostly Jewish. But then for some reason, we were still shit on as poor Jews. So there was no way to win. Yeah. Well, and, we were poor Jews in Island Park. Yeah. But I will tell you this. Dating uh, a black woman... Uh, you know, people go, do you see color? I'm like, of course I do. I'm attracted to it. You know, <laughs> they go, no, I don't see color. Of course I see color. And, uh, you know, she's beautiful. And um, what does she do? Uh, she's a former model. Hello. And now she's a, so at the moment, she's a stay at home <laughs> dog mom. Oh, that's, oh, that's so funny. Raising our two dogs and cat. I'm supposed, my cat just died in August. I'm sorry. And I, I Loved her to death, and everybody. I lost one after podcast. 14 years. I was devastated. 14 years. That's exactly what mine was. Mine was named Samantha. What was yours? Um, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> You're on the spot. Selena. Okay. <laughs> and and for single people. But wait, named after. Uh, so, oh, I got her because I wanted to get from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's why I got a black cat from Salem, which is Samantha, which was bewitched. I just I don't know. I've made the connection of uh, witches and black cats. Mm. Your cat wasn't black though, right? No, it was a Maine Coon. Hey, hey, don't hey, be racist. I married a black woman. <laughs> Sorry, honey. But yeah, so um, she died. So I was, you know, there's a doggy daycare center downstairs. I saw that. As I was yeah, and the they building. were always like, get a dog, get a cat. And I was thinking about getting a dog. But that is a two-man operation. What uh, you're saying, you if your a cat wife wasn't is, there, yeah. A cat is perfectly good for a single guy. But then I thought maybe I should get a human companion. <laughs> Incremental steps. Yeah, right, I guess. But so far, it's it's worked out. So it's not it's not been quite a year yet. Wow! Uh, but congratulations. Uh, we've been together so almost cool. seven years. And you got married in Aruba with our friend Ray, Ray Allen. Allen. Yes, and uh, I was telling Dave uh, just like before the much. show uh, that if you're going to get married, I highly suggest uh, doing it on a little tropical island, maybe Aruba. 
we had seven guests. Well, that's what you did it the right way, so you don't bother people with destination stuff. I'm so mad that my uh, this guy, Cousin Frankie, I call him Cousin Frankie, uh, he, he's getting married Saturday after Thanksgiving. That is like the rudest thing you can do to somebody. No, the rudest thing you can do is having a wedding on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. It's like, screw oh, you, I am not, right. not ruining my three days. Three-day weekend. Who does that? Everybody seemingly does it. I have not gone to the July 4th three-day weekend wedding. Right. I did not go to the Labor Day three-day weekend. I would not do it on Memorial Day. It's so rude. And uh, I, none of my family You did it the right the way. We, we right? You said you had zero guests. Yes, I had zero guests. Three comedians. If it wasn't for Ray uh, at Aruba Ray's Comedy Club in Aruba, Ray, Ellen, uh, Joey Vega, and uh, my good friend Goomba Johnny <laughs> uh, were all performing at Aruba Ray's. And uh, I had them as my three best men. That's awesome. And there were a total of seven people at my wedding. It was wonderful. I know. Ray says I have to put some time together so I can do a Ruba race. You should. Yeah. I know. Everybody says that. Everybody says it's great down there. It is. It really is that yeah, good. It huh? is. Yeah. He's an interesting uh, fella. I'm very... Uh, you know <laughs> what? I got Ray his first... Maybe his only, but his first TV job. There used to be a cable channel in New York called the Metro Channel. Do you remember the Metro Channel? I used to be on Public Access Channel 17. Oh, was that? For years in the 80s. That's not like Channel J, was it? Yeah. Did you work with Robin Bird? Robin Bird, but I was on Channel D. Oh, I never got, uh, I skipped D to get to J. It was C, D, and J. Yeah, J was 35 Yes, I didn't know C and D even existed. All the escort. Right uh, to J. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody did. Well, that was the only porn you could get back then. Yes. Saw Robin Bird in... in, uh, Didn't hold up well. No, in Fire Island a couple of years ago. Looks more like a man, actually. (sighs) Yeah. I met her a couple times. didn't, 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 Didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> As Rodney would have said, uh, she ballooned up nicely. Uh, I'll tell you, but she, uh, she, but she did have the "Bang Your Box" song, which was, uh, you know, a showstopper. One day you should get the, uh, your friend Andrew Hirsch's brother Gary on to tell you the Walter Cronkite story on an airplane talking to Gary about Channel J. Really priceless. Wait, Gary. Andrew's brother, Robert and Andrew's was brother. Was flying across country. With Walter Cronkite. Sat next to Walter Cronkite. They had had a couple of drinks. Wow. And Walter, they started talking about TV. And the next thing you know, Walter's leaning over to Gary goes, you know, have you ever seen this channel <laughs> late at night? <laughs> wow. And it, the way How Gary cool tells it is just a great story. The most trusted man in America yeah. watches watched. Well, everybody channel watches. J. That's why I had this show... And I was like the king of New York of Manhattan and, and from the 80 to like 92. I, it was on three in the morning on Saturdays. There was only 35 channels. This was the only one that was on late at night. Everybody knew who I was. I, I went to a restaurant. I mean, everyone knew. It was, I, I can't explain it to people that are young. They wouldn't understand. You didn't do that. Go, you weren't that naked guy doing the naked no, talk I was show. No, okay. I did not have the naked talk show. Because you look better now. Does. Thank you. I know. <laughs> no, I was not that guy. Okay. Um, thank goodness. But uh, no, I just had, it was the Dave Jessica and Friends show. And it was just me and Atel getting high and um, playing the drums or something. And it was stupid. We, I couldn't, I didn't have an editing machine. So we just taped full for 30 minutes and just aired it. You know, there was like no editing involved and stuff. But anyway, I don't want to keep you much longer, even though I could talk about this forever, but I'd, I'd like to have you come back. Well, sadly, and, I could talk about this uh, forever I know, as well. But before we go, I would like to just, I had a list of some of the character actors that I was wondering if you were, um, you know, if they come into the category of character acting. Okay. Uh, some of them are dead. 
Um, well, whether they're dead or not, uh, you know, they were. Or would you still honor them somehow? At some point, well, we certainly do an in memoriam. Oh, you do? Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, Dennis Haysbert, uh, he introduced our. I don't know who that. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. He introduced <laughs> our in memoriam segment this year. Uh, and each year we have a singer. Uh, first year we had uh, a terrific woman named Andra Day, uh, who uh, is really broken into the charts. Uh, last year we had a country singer named, oh my God, Dina Carter. Uh, I'd never heard of her before. Brian Carney, Art son, thought she was the greatest singer ever, had some very successful country songs. She sang it. Uh, this year we had uh, an actress uh, out in Hollywood do it. Uh, so we do the In Memoriam segment, and I would dare say that unlike the Oscars or the Emmys, we put up pictures of actors that would not be shown right. in, the in, in the In Memoriam segments of those other two telecasts. Do you let people clap? Uh, for they did, the, you know uh, what? It's funny <laughs> you say that because the first two years, people didn't clap. This year, for some reason, they clapped at every picture. I was uncomfortable with that, and I would have wished that people didn't clap. Oh, you don't want them to clap. It's no, like a, because then... That's what they tell people at the Oscars, because then you clap. Because then you get more of... Uh, somebody's getting more claps than another, and I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, like that in the In Memoriam segment. No. See, I think that's the fun part. And, and, I, and I will say, they're dead, one know, thing that I, I think we need to change is that we put up a few too many pictures of the more celebrated actors, like Mary Tyler Moore, and, uh, you know, the producer of the show. But my isn't that the way to go? It is the argument. I, I isn't do, that what we want? It's what you want, but our show is about the character actors, and we should have had John Polito up there. You don't I don't know, know who that is. But if you saw him, you would. I mean, Jay Thomas, who I've known for oh, years. Oh, he just, right, you must know him from radio. I know him from Buckwald. Oh, what an interesting guy. That guy, what an interesting career. That was horrible. Wow, uh, he got so many roles. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, and you hear him talk about... Uh, Carla, uh, Rhea Perlman, that story he tells about Rhea Perlman. Well, no, the, 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 I mean, the, 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 the story that Jay seems to be most famous for is the one she could go on Letterman show and talk about when he was doing local radio uh, in the early 70s, I think it was, in Bakersfield or somewhere around California, and the Lone Ranger, oh, Clayton, Clayton Moore. Moore, showed up. Right. Are you not familiar oh, with this story? Oh, you right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. I am familiar with it. <laughs> you know, and they get into an accident, and, uh, you know, here are these two stoner-looking guys that get out with this uh, well-dressed man. Man, and the well-dressed man says, well, nobody's going to believe because the, that guy ran into them. And, 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 and they get out of the car and, and they're arguing with the guy and, and, the, and the man in the business suit. Uh, I'm paraphrasing this whole story, but he gets out and says, well, trust me, nobody's going to believe your version. You're two stoner guys. And then all of a sudden, Clayton Moore comes out of the back of Jay's car with his mask on and goes, they'll believe me, citizen. <laughs> And I so believe awesome. Dave had him on his show every single year to tell that story. Wow. Um, but Jay was a great guy. <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember if his picture was put up in the Emmys this year. I can't believe uh, he died. It's so, he was man, so young. I, 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 I had not realized he was sick. And then last night, as a matter of fact, I'm catching up with uh, this season's version of Ray Donovan. Don't yes. know if you watch it on Showtime. I started watching and I stopped. I don't and know why. And so I got one episode left to go. So it was two episodes before Jay was in it. Oh. And I didn't know. Wow. And... Immediately, you can see he was sick. Oh, really? He was so thin. Oh. He played a version of uh, Harvey Levin, uh, the TMZ, oh, really? oh, on the perfect. Ray Donovan. He was so, so thin. It's like when he played like that Morton Downey uh, character. Yeah, I, I, but I had not realized. I didn't know he was sick. Uh, yeah, he kept, but, it a, but he kept it a secret. But if you see him on this episode of Ray Donovan from this previous season, episode 10 or 11, you see it instantly. Oh, that's too bad. But the point is, I would rather have those, like the Alan R. Buses, you know, the, the ones yeah. that would never make it to the Emmy. So I think we need to work on that uh, in our next year. 
Okay. Well, that's good. I had... Um, but yeah, so dead or alive, one day, you know, maybe we can do, uh, you know, the, the posthumous Carney Awards. Yeah, maybe because, because we've like lost, I was thinking of J.T. Walsh. Yes, I mean, perfect example. Yeah. What's pained me is we weren't able to get this show up and running When soon you started enough. it, you said in 2003 yeah. you started I mean, we lost a great it. one a couple of years ago, James Rebhorn. Uh, who is like in every, say, uh, you know, <laughs> he was in my cousin Vinny. He, he? He, he played the uh, the automobile expert. Oh, God. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, again, well, I we, guess I'd say Also yes. in uh, my cousin Vinny, the, the prosecuting attorney. Oh, yes, attorney, that guy is terrific. Lane, Lane, Lane yeah, Smith. Lane, yeah, Lane Smith, I think it is Lane Smith. He, he goes, he, that thing's terrible, Charles. It's right. He did. And he's in uh, Boomerang. No, no, not Boomerang. Uh, the, the, the Distinguished Gentleman. Identical. Yeah. <laughs> Now, he did our first sizzle reel 10 years ago. Oh, really? But he did not survive to make it to this. So God, this it, it pains so me terrific, that we lose uh, Ed Lauder, who uh, is from Long Beach, Long Island, uh, was a friend of my brother's. And, uh, you know, Ed was the evil prison guard in the original, uh, de not Deliverance with Burt Reynolds, the, the prison movie. Uh, oh, Burt Reynolds, Longest Yard? Longest Yard. Is that the one? Uh, in Revenge of the Nerds 2, he played the hotel manager. No way. He, again, wow. you, you've seen him. Isn't that great? Uh, we lost him. We lost so many of those guys. And because there are so many more character actors than the major celebrities, we lose so many every year. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it's funny. My dad used to talk about this shit all the time, like from the 40s and 50s character actors like Thelma Ritter good you know, one like how about Burt Mustin uh, who's that <laughs> uh, how would most people uh, Burt Mustin do you remember the Twilight Zone episode when Art Carney plays a department store Santa yes Burt is in the in the mission when he's giving out the toys he's the one that wants the smoking jacket and the pipe he's a bald headed guy sort of like a turtley looking face <laughs> but he was in every TV show and movies in the 40s and the right. 50s uh, my dad was obsessed with those guys and you know I didn't even know what a character actor was back then yeah. he was the one that you know I don't know I guess I got into it from him so like if those. we're able to expand the show and grow it and get some sponsors someday and maybe a little money you know towards the show that we can expand this and include more of these people from history yeah um, actually I had um, Vincent Chevalier uh, I actually had this one clip I just took off the TV from Night Shift it was one of my favorites where the fuck is 4K <laughs> Excuse me, I didn't know you was deaf. 4K! <laughs> I'm 4K, is that my dinner? You do it at what you want. It's five bucks. I already edited my tip. I mean, I just, I remember him from that movie. That's where I found out. But then I realized he had this whole backlog of stuff, let alone Fast Times Fast at Ridgemont High. I mean, um, how brilliant was Ghost. That? Yes. Um, and then, he's in Tomorrow Never Dies. He plays the villain in a James Bond movie. Which clearly somebody knew who he was. I mean, that's, that was a weird one, like in James Bond. But he was so good that it's like funny. Yeah. He plays this German assassin. He goes, please, Mr. Bond, move aside. I am very good at what I do. Yeah, he's, like, a, he's another great one. That we yeah, lost. another great one we lost. And he, he died like a while ago, too. But um, he was he was married to Alice Beasley. Oh, who was on Moonlighting. Moonlighting right. Um, she lives in the neighborhood, I think. I see her at the restaurant across the street oh, all the time. Tell her I said hi. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know her? No, but Curtis Armstrong knows her and I know Curtis. Oh, they still are friends because they used to date in the show Moonlighting. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, according to Curtis's book, uh, The Last of the Nerds or whatever, or, you know, uh, I forget the name of the title. But you should you should if you liked Revenge of the Nerds, if you wanted to know some backstory about it's risky okay. business, <laughs> uh, yes, one hot, crazy summer. Right. What else were they in? Yeah, he uh, was in everything in the 80s. Yeah. Damn, damn. That was so cool. When he showed up to our first Carney Awards uh, and I'm like, 
Oh my God, it's Booger. (laughs) To me, that made it real. I think I like the character in Whiskey Business more. Uh, You know, I mean, with that line of, I got a trigonometry test tomorrow being chased by Guido Guido the the Pimp. pimp. I mean, he was so good. Yeah, God, I was just thinking about that. Uh, Let me just play this one clip uh, about Richard Kind because it's like one of my favorites from Curb. What's that, Larry? My condolences. Your cousin. Sorry. How are you? Hi, Andy. I'm sorry. I really am. Heard you were in New York. You missed a good one. This was really a nice, oh. nice... Well, I'm sorry. This is the one where he's, his mother died, yeah. and his mother didn't want to bother him. <laughs> so, But his cousin Andy and his father were at the... Everybody was at the funeral except Larry. Sorry, I missed it. Perhaps had I been informed, I may have been able to attend oh. my mother's funeral. It was beautiful. <laughs> Very nice. Very well attended. <laughs> Uh, rabbi spoke be- honestly. Rabbi spoke beautifully, Andy. like 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 a friend. I noticed you called Andy in New York, and he flew in. Well, right. Andy, your mother didn't say not to call Andy. I was in she New York. She said not to call you. That's all. That's all she ever said. Gotta say, why didn't you call me when you were there? It would have been nice if you called. You know, I was busy, Andy. I couldn't see you. No, I'm no, no, sorry. no. I'm not talking about that. Just call me. Just I, I figure if you're in town, just call me and say hello. I didn't need to see you. I didn't need to come visit. I know, but what's the difference? I could call you when I'm in L.A. I don't, I don't see the logic to it. No, you know what I'm talking about. Don't be a putz. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking what you about. Mean? There's no logic are you to it. Are you out of your mind? If you go to Florida, you're not going to call Aunt Chan? Not necessarily. Oh, you are in, You come to town, you give me a call. Just if call. I can't see you, there's no point in I didn't want to see you. Don't. Do, what is the matter with you? Uh, the food the first night was not so good. It was just deli. But I'll tell you, people brought over. We still got some stuff in the fridge. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah. we have a lot it's of delicious. hard-boiled eggs, plenty hard And the eulogy yeah. was, was nice? It was yeah, beautiful. Take a look at how wonderful. A lot of people turned out. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful service. Sorry about your loss. Where's Larry? <laughs> That's the best part. Uh, Let me tell you, though. Yeah. Yeah. I know Please. you know him. Richard, and I said this to him after the show that night, he was the heart and soul of this year's Carney Awards. And uh, while I think our show will be terrific for anybody who has any interest whatsoever in these type of actors, him and Jeff Garland and their introduction... I can't even wait. ...and Richard's acceptance speech, it is worth the price of admission, the which people, doesn't cost anything because it's not on pay cable. The people that listen to this show cannot wait for this. I know this is what we talk about. This is our thing. This is our favorite thing. December 2nd, Cozy TV. 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we have a website. It's not so great. Uh, we're working now, like on I it. Like I said, I couldn't find out who was the second annual. Uh, who else was nominated for the second annual one last year? The sec- I saw the first and the third. I can't find the second. All right. So <laughs> last year we had uh, Gary Cole. Oh, I love Gary Cole. It's terrific. Yeah. You know, one time I was at a bar and I bought in this girl and the bartender said, you look like Gary Cole. And it was like that Seinfeld that was like, don't tell a woman she looks like a man. But she actually did. And then I couldn't go out with her anymore. No, he, Even he, though he's a handsome fella. He would have born a corny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had uh, Stephen Tobolowsky, yeah. uh, Conchata Farrell. So Fred Willard, through the entire event, kept calling her Conchita. <laughs> of course he did. And so one of the things that we do, which we think is a little different from all the other award shows, is that at the end of the show we do a little bit of a round table. We bring up all the honorees on stage and sort of like inside the actor's studio. Yeah. And so Fred has all the actors sitting around and asks them a couple of questions. Oh, that's terrific. And it's really nice. You never get to see that, I mean, anywhere, but certainly in an award show. 
And so Fred is, is conducting this last year at the end of the show. And, you know, he's asking each of them, you know, so, you know, you know, tell us the story, like, you know, who do people confuse you with on the street? Or, you know, do people come up and call you something on the street? And Conchata turns, outside of people calling me Conchita? No. <laughs> <laughs> Went right over Fred's head. <laughs> of course. So uh, Conchata Farrell, uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, uh, right, of course. Who was terrific. And Is that, would that be the one that you needed to get, like, in a way? Because he's a little bit he, more He probably well was that person, and we were thrilled that we had him yeah. and didn't realize at the time the effect that Art Carney had on him. I mean, oh. he gets up on stage. And we have the Norton hat. We have the original I heard, hat that, I heard, from Ed I Norton. on your website. It says, the hat will be on display, everyone. It will be. And <laughs> he, trust me, people go up and take pictures. We have a background set of the, uh, of the Honeymooner's Kitchen. And to prove it's th- because the Smithsonian will say they have the original hat. It's not the original hat. And oh. we can prove it because the current well, the hat that Brian has, uh, on the right-hand side, there is a red dot. Now, in black and white TV in the 50s, obviously no color. But the next time any of you are watching The Honeymooners, look at Ed Norton's hat. And on the right-hand side of the hat, you will see the dot. Oh. So we have that. So (laughs) Steve Buscemi gets up on stage. And after he's done, he goes, excuse me, I just have to do this. And he walks over to the the hat stand. And he picks up the hat, puts it on, walks back to the mic, takes off the hat and goes, Hello, ball. <laughs> it brought awesome. the house down. Wow. I mean, he gets up there and says, you know, 328 Chauncey Street. I mean, he knew everything about the Honeymooners. Oh, wow. Uh, so he and Jonathan Banks. We had Jonathan Banks. Now, Jonathan Banks. <laughs> I'm nodding my head already because I don't want to do the gag again, but it's like I can't wait to find out who he is. This is like the and, best show ever. And Jonathan couldn't make it to the show. He couldn't get off the set of Breaking Bad or uh, Better Call Saul. But we had Brian Cranston, you know, do the introduction no for way. him anyway. Boy, that's a huge deal. Yeah. Where did uh, you televise that one? Because we couldn't <laughs> find anybody to televise it. And well, again, uh, and Dan Hedaya was our lifetime achievement. Did last you tape year. it though? Like, oh you, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's a uh, boy. That's in fact, I have like, a copy. I'll, I'll leave you with a copy. This sounds like a lot of fun. It, it is a really lot of fun, and it's a lifelong dream for some nerd like me to do it, and even more so. Well, we're all nerds, I think, when it comes to this kind of stuff. I know Artie Lang and I talk about this kind of stuff all the time. He's really good like this. He knows all the the names and the shows, and we know all the lines together. We do it all the time. Yeah, uh, I would say you should go on his show, but it, it's a little scary so uh, i don't know <laughs> but, well i need um, to publicize in fact i'm gonna stand out in front of your I'm, building later and just tell well people, i told Sadly, gilbert second gilbert godfried i mean this that you got to go on that joke because he knows all the character actors him and frank santa padre know all the character actors from the 30s 40s and 50s i've never seen anything like it in my life and that's what their show is their show is a little before our time a little deeper yeah um but i'm sure they would love you too i just told them about you because um i want you to get the word out because well, it's thanks. a really terrific going idea. back to richard one last time next uh, the Please. week of the 27th uh, richard and uh, i will be making the rounds on uh, all the new york radio stations uh, to promote the heck out of the uh, the telecast richard's gonna come with you yeah that's so nice more i'm gonna go with richard oh. but to make sure he shows up i'm gonna pick him up at his apartment oh, that's get so him great. downtown uh, yeah i've seen him kind of walking around completely stumbling around sometimes and then i don't say hello because he's out of it <laughs> so i don't know but i mean i've seen him I, for years we run into each other and now he's the heart and soul of this year's episode well he's or, deserving even in that clip alone you can see how just hilarious he is and there's so many you know he's he's terrific and he's very new york yep. and i like that and he won't move out there and that of course always makes me happy yeah and uh, oh what I well was his wife say, and kids are here too oh i i didn't he's married yeah oh then i won't tell you the other thing 
Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> no. um, what I was going to say, though, in Tootsie, when he has the reveal of when he finds out, um, you know, that, that Michael is uh, the, it's Tootsie, it's Dorothy, um, it's so funny. He, he's leaving. He leaves the apartment. He comes back. He's like, I forgot my cell phone. And then he sees the, the thing. And he walks out. Hello, ma'am. And then he, and then he walks out. And, and he's, before he gets to the door, he stands there for at least three minutes. He doesn't turn around. And everybody's dying. You know, he, he's, we know he's going to do the slow turn. Yeah. But he milks it. And we know he's going to do it because he's great at that. And he's just so good. And, you know, David Pamer was one of the guys oh, who did in year terrific. one. terrific. And he said... You know, sometimes it's uh, it's not the biggest role, uh, but just give us a little role that we can sink our tooth, a teeth into, does. and we can make it into the juiciest moment. And that sounds just like what Richard did in that moment. There you, exactly. And David Paymer, I probably say one of his lines all the time in Quiz Show. You know, random shit that they're in, where he plays um, the guy from NBC who's rigging the the quiz shows, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, so this guy gave us the answers ahead of time." He goes. Why would he do something like that? And I, I don't know why. He goes, you're a very... He was just... You're, you're a very... I can't remember the exact name. He was, you're a very unruly young man. Would you be interested in your own panel show? <laughs> I don't know why. And that, that one and the one from the Larry Sanders show where he's playing his... Uh, he always played his publicist. Yeah. And he goes, look, Larry, when, you know, you're dating Joe Schmo. Who gives a shit? This is Sharon Stone. <laughs> you know, uh, listen, next time you're in the picture, just get your, get your face in there. Get your face in there. You know, it's like it's like... You know, it's like I, I, my kids have to eat. You know, it's like I didn't know you have any kids. There's some kids in my neighborhood. Who gives a shit? I even put that in my Godfather script. I know all his stuff. This is so great. David Katz, thank you so much Thanks for, for coming on me. the show. I swear to God, it's very hard to end the show because uh, I, both of us could really talk about this for hours and hours as we did because it, it, it went long and I hope you don't mind that you stayed longer. And Not, stuff, at but Not at all. Not at all. I, I enjoy talking about absolute it. Absolute blast. I just want to spread the word about your show. Um, the Carney Awards, December 2nd, Cozy TV, 9 o'clock. I can't wait to watch. Because you know what the best thing is, what we're talking about is the clips. And when they have a Lifetime Achievement Award, which they don't do every year at the Oscars, the best part is if they're going to do Robert Redford or Charlton Heston or somebody like that, is the clips. And then you just want to see more clips. And this is what you're going to do. And we're going to see the clips. We also have a lot of stills because clips cost a hell of a oh, lot of really? money. Oh, really? Isn't so that the bummer? See, I don't give a see, shit. The I live event, we could do as many clips as possible because it's not airing. But oh. so in the spirit of all candor, while we do clips, yeah, uh, we have do? as many know, stills because stills are a lot cheaper to buy. Yeah, I understand. So one day if we get a real budget, I agree with you. It's yeah. all about the clips. Yeah, because we, you know, it's like... I mean, this is the kind of show we're going to sit there. We're going to watch them. We know who they are. We know we're going to see Wendy Malick. We're going to be like, oh, of course, I know who she is. And then you're going to see the clips or the stills of her work. And no matter who it is, even though we've been speaking about it, you're going to be in awe of how long they have survived in this business, which is so difficult. And how many things they've gone through, which we probably didn't even notice it was them before they got their iconic parts in uh, whatever show it is, whether it's Just Shoot Me or something like that. It's fascinating. Yeah, it and is. I'm just glad that somebody is acknowledging it, you and your brother and this Brian Carney character. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having uh, me. All the way uh, you know, to the Upper East Side, uh, you know, three blocks from your house. 30 I blocks. Really <laughs> Not bad at all. No, I really appreciate it. It was very nice to meet you. 
And uh, please, I, I hope you're going to come back again, especially if not anything next year, at least, because I'm definitely going. Anytime. I usually don't have anything to do on Thursday nights. Me neither. All right. This is good. This is a good relationship then. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody, on the Night Fly. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Oh,